Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is Ag Report for today. It is Wednesday, June 27th, 2018. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in, for your belief and trust in this platform, in our um, program. We broadcast, of course, live 7 to 10 p.m. every weeknight, Global Star Satellite Radio, Blog Talk Radio, and YouTube. A lot of news, full news day. We've got uh, Supreme Court Justice retiring no, not the one you think. Uh, Justice Kennedy, of course, well, you might have been thinking that. Justice Kennedy retiring, announcing his retirement uh, next month. And, uh, of course, that's going to, that, that's got the progressive liberals, communists in this country just absolutely apoplectic. I, I have not seen such, express, uh, such expressions since the election. And, and that's saying something. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is still being propped up, and um, uh, at, at least I, I'm, I'm sure uh, hanging hanging onto a thready pulse. So, uh, interesting news on that. We've got other items, of course, of interest. We've got Peter Strzok testifying today behind closed doors. Pretty interesting there. We uh, I'm waiting for some sort of a sit rep or a situational account of what uh, what's taking place. I, I'm, I'm I'd like to see that, and and you know, like like you've all of you have said, um, the uh, testimony should in fact be uh, made public, I believe. And then, of course, we have the continuing. I would say the continuing process of taking us to the the brink of civil war. What do you think about this? Uh, interesting show planned lined up for you tonight. We've got uh, we've got a full open hour today. We're going to be taking your calls at the bottom of this hour. It was such a great time last last night. Uh, so we're going to be fit, trying to fit in, fit in as many calls as we can. Then, then we've got John B. Wells, Caravan at Midnight, joining us. Hour number two and hour number three is Pastor David Langford. So it's going to be a great show. Come on in, sit down, and let's talk. Joe, yeah, we've got some, uh, we've got a lot of things going on. Yeah, let's start with the uh, retirement of of uh, Supreme Court Justice Kennedy. Right. I find the timing very interesting. Just a few days ago on this show, we talked about the possibility of President Trump having at least two Supreme Court nominations, two more from Neil Gorsuch, uh, before the end of his first term. And uh, here we go. We see the uh, Kennedy is going to retire now. There is a debate. Uh, I watched some CNN today. For the first time in a while, actually, except for sound clips. And what was very interesting about the, the announcement of the retirement, and we're going to go over the liberal reaction, as the Daily Caller has a great piece, liberal meltdown over Justice Kennedy retirement. But it was apparent uh, right away, and for the first hour, two hours of coverage I watch on CNN and Fox News of Kennedy's retirement, that the, that the two things, well, one main thing that was talked about as a concern was Roe v. Wade. Everybody now seems to think that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. It's in danger, and they are just so angry about it. 
And then secondary to that was the uh, health care issues, uh, pre-existing conditions. I think it has something to do with Obamacare. Chuck Schumer gave a speech on the, the House floor or the Senate floor where he uh, brought up these concerns and urged uh, whoever is picked to you know, basically keep Roe v. Wade there. But on the Daily Caller, they have a great article, Liberal activists and journalists are melting down over Justice Anthony Kennedy's announcing his retirement from the Supreme Court. And you have your uh, variety of, of swear words. And then uh, just from a bunch of verified people, one, uh, Andrew Cohen says, For starters, abortion rights are more imperiled now than at any time since Roe v. Wade, and there's no reason to think they won't be rolled back uh, of gay rights with Kennedy gone. Reverend Al Sharpton says, we have no choice but to organize, strategize, vote, and act. Uh, you, you can't sit on the sidelines. All civil and human rights are at stake. What side are you on? Then, it's you know, amazing. on and on and on. Uh, the same, the same <laughs> sentiments. Everybody's so concerned about Roe v. Wade. Well, okay. About murdering babies not being legal anymore. You know, before we even get into that, I think what we need to do is, Remember the circumstances under which or by which that uh, Anthony Kennedy was uh, was uh, s- selected and was uh, appointed, was nominated, and was confirmed. You got to go back to November eleventh, nineteen eighty seven. Kennedy was nominated to the Supreme Court seat, which was vacated by Lewis Powell, who announced his retirement in late June. Okay, so then his nomination came after Reagan's failed. Uh, nominations of Robert Bork. Remember that when Bork actually became a verb, uh, what happened with Robert Bork? Now, Bork was nominated in July, but rejected by the Senate on October 23rd. And then Douglas Ginsburg, uh, was, was selected. And of course, he was tossed out or he withdrew because he admitted marijuana usage. Now, this is back in 1987. Seems like, Generations ago, I remember this. I remember Bork. I remember Ginsburg. I remember the whole process. Well, then you had Kennedy come on, and he was subjected to this this background investigation that few, I think, could withstand. And um, but he easily passed. Now, in in a lower court dissent that Kennedy. Now I'm citing this now from Wikipedia. I just jotted this. I put a note by it here. Um, in a lower court dissent that Kennedy had written before joining the Supreme Court, he criticized the police for bribing a child into showing them where the child's mother hid drugs. Okay, considering such conduct, uh, conduct offensive and destructive of the family, Kennedy had written, "Indifference to personal liberty is but the precursor of the state's hostility to it." Very interesting when you think about this in light of the selection, his decisions, and then leaving. So, so uh, there you have the environment in which he was selected, appointed, and confirmed. Now, you've got, uh, just really quickly, and then, Joe, you can continue with the reactions and other aspects of, of this, but it's pretty interesting because you've got, uh, let me just make sure I've got this correct here. Um, what is that? Well, what's, we got beeping. And, Whose was that? Oh, okay. Oh, uh, all right. Well, it sounded like it was right next to us. I, I don't know if I it, was it was a fire drill or what. It's like Surrey. Uh, somebody activated a, a Surrey on a cell phone, and it sounded like it was yeah, right, right on our desk. All right. Anyway. So, okay, so Kennedy authored the majority opinion in several important cases. 
and this is where the angst comes in, including uh, Citizens United, VFEC, Kennedy wrote in part the majority opinions in Planned Parenthood v. Casey. He also is uh, notable for his majority opinions in each of the court's landmark homosexual cases, including a Burgerfell. So, um, again, today announcing his retirement, effective July 31st, 2018. So, and you've got, uh, it's interesting, appointed by Reagan. So, you would think that he would have a very, very staunch uh, conservative bias on the Supreme Court. Yet, look at the look at where he fell on various positions. Um, and again, I remember thinking back to that selection, and um, you know, I, 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 I just I don't I don't know. Um, but it's interesting to see the the progression or evolution from appointment to retirement on this. But I do think, Joe, I think you're right. I think that we're going to see Ruth Bader Ginsburg being next. And I mean, she's 85 years next. old. Um, and, and the, and, uh, it was said that President Trump even made a remark today that he could have four Supreme Court justice nominees in his first term. And he made a, he made a, a joke about Sotomayor and, and uh, diabetes <laughs> issues that she, that she's been having. But easy now. Yeah. But see, here's the interesting thing. So, uh, in, in all this debate, one of the big uh, points of contention is the timing of Kennedy's re- uh, re- stepping down from the Supreme Court because now you have the 2018 midterm elections coming up in November. And if you remember what we covered, uh, uh, what was it, yesterday or the day before with the travel ban decision from the Supreme Court, uh, news outlets like MSNBC and CNN well, said that... Call, we're going to call this the vetting ban, not the travel ban. Mitch McConnell stole the Supreme Court seat from Obama. That's right. Uh, that's what they were arguing. And now, uh, when that happened, see, in 2013, the Democrats, when they were in power, uh, changed the laws of the, the, set, the filibuster. And that was how McConnell was able to get Gorsuch in because of the way that the, the left changed the, the filibuster laws in 2013. And he used the nuclear option, which was the first time they ever had to do that for a Supreme Court nominee. Now they're saying that McConnell, if he fills this vacancy before the 2018 midterm elections, he's a hypocrite because he's doing the exact <laughs> opposite. And it's amazing that they, they, they actually recognize hypocrisy, uh, when they see it in other people. Or perceived to see it in other people, but never can identify their own hypocrisy. But Mitch McConnell says he's going to, this is going to go up in a vote this fall before the elections. And the consensus, as much as disliked as it was on the left from all the talking heads, there's nothing they can do about it except riot. And that's what some people on the left are advocating people do. They're saying, you know, uh, you know Kennedy, yeah. you're, you're going to enjoy the riots from your retirement seat because they're coming, thanks to you. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, I believe Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, is imminently next. But I like to look at the larger picture here, and I like to go back and, and look at the the never Donald Trump movement because this yeah. is this is really what it's part of. And very simply, let me give you a list of names of the people who signed on to basically the never Donald Trump movement. Ben Shapiro, Glenn Beck, Dana Loesch, 
Chris Hayes, Jonah Goldberg, who happens to be the author of Liberal Fascist, a book I, I like. Eric Erickson, Senator Mike Lee, Dana Perino, George Will, Bill Crystal, boy, big surprise there, right? Brent Bozell, Katie Pavlich, as much as I respect her as a journalist, not so much there. Rich Lowry, Senator Brian Sass, and Justin Amash, and many more. Of course, the entire staff, uh, editorial staff of the National Review, it's my understanding. So, keep that in mind. So, and, and a leopard does not change its spots, in my view. I say that to mean if you've got this never-Trump ideology or this bias against President Donald Trump back then, I believe you still carry that that um, that DNA, if that's what you, you know, would call it. And the reason I bring this up is look at this, look at everything that's going on, including the Supreme Court, um, under or through the lens of this never-Trump and this anti-Trump bias. What we're seeing with the, my goodness, from the red hen to, and Sarah Sanders to, um, to, to, to the attacks against the conservatives, the, the, the people who work for Donald Trump, the Maxine Waters hatred, the vile, vicious hatred of Maxine Waters and others. This is all part of a larger picture, I believe, and that's kind of what I want to say. Um, I think we have to remember and keep in, well, just keep in mind, never lose fact of who we're dealing with and their sentiments and their biases. But go ahead, uh, Joe. Well, I mean, we don't have to sit here and go through all these uh, different reactions because it's all basically unified in their in their sentiment. And it is uh, something that is just going to fuel the fire, in my opinion, of this, there it is. this yes. political tension. Yeah. And they are uh, saying things like, now, uh, you know, democracy is at risk. The, the core values of our uh, of our our laws and our rule of law is at risk, as if they care for the rule of law or about the rule of law. And the thing is, is that the Supreme Court. See, if if President Trump, he's obviously going to get this pick, and even if he does get one more pick, that's going to change the face of the Supreme Court for a generation, uh, you know, twenty to forty to fifty years possibly, and. I, you know, I hope it, that's the case. If it is, because we've seen instances in the past where Supreme Court justices have been picked, you know, that were supposed to you know, be voting one way and they go to the complete opposite. But, but from what President has said, he's sticking with that same list that he built during the campaign, which is uh, no doubt these people are, are very conservative. But, uh, you know, again, Roe v. Wade seems to be these biggest the biggest concern from the people on, on the left. And, you know, we still see the, uh, we've seen some of the people back away on the left from the uh, you know rhetoric of Maxine Waters of harassment and, and violence. Uh, we've seen Chuck Schumer even come out and Pelosi come out and say, you know, that's not American, that's not appropriate. But then you have people like Chris Cuomo, who now has his primetime show on CNN, which nobody still watches. I'm not sure if the uh, when he hosted the the show New Day in the morning, if that had more viewers than his show in the evening. Either way, it's uh, the numbers are awful. But Chris Cuomo is continuing to blame the uh, liberal rhetoric towards violence on on Trump's rhetoric. And this is where this is going to go. But the real question is, is what John put in the headline tonight of the title of the show, which is a 
up on Drudge. 59% fear violence, 44% expect a civil war. And those are some pretty uh, staggering numbers, if accurate. I have not looked at the uh, the metrics or, or demographics of the, the poll, who was polled and how many and uh, from which states, but it is on people's minds more so than ever. And i got a question about that. Is it because of the rhetoric and people see the writing on the wall or is it because everybody throwing out the term civil war? No. I mean, we've been talking I, about I, that no, for a long no, time, no. but it's uh, in the mainstream now. Welcome, welcome to the party. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been saying this for quite some time. Then in 2015, you have the... Uh, 2013. 2013. And, and, and i got to tell you this. you you, you got this Comedy Central employee who tweets out the following. I wish this Kennedy, reference to Anthony Kennedy, uh, Supreme Court Justice, had been shot instead of the other ones. Now think of a, a Twitter message like that. Um, and there are people who are behind that, saying, "Yeah, that you know, you're right." And and then um, uh, it's 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 beyond the the civility issue. It's into the it's really into the uh, in my view the ideological uh, perversions. Uh, that we see taking place, and by, and by the way, you know, it's this didn't happen overnight. Um, this pinning of one side versus the other, mm-hmm. the ideological divide, it, it, it came with it came with the communist and Muslim infiltration into into America, and uh, you know they're going to do anything they can. And and you know, Joe, I, I believe the closer we get to the 2018 election or midterms. The left, the communists in this country are so damn uh, afraid of losing the what little power they have left, and they're, <laughs> they're seeing that this, the Kennedy uh, um, re- resignation, that they're apt to do anything, and and I, and well, I really they, I mean, that. I mean I, I, I'm afraid they're going to have they're going to move out of their parents' basements. <laughs> well, that's uh, the thing. Yeah. What can they do aside from create social unrest? And I saw a few people on CNN today, and they were talking about civil disobedience versus, uh, you know, the unrest and making the distinctions between lawful and unlawful uh, actions. But what 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 can they do? Just like I saw on the on the CNN today on a, on a panel, they were all asked the question, you know, what can we do to change this? What can we do to uh, stop this? And there's nothing they can do. There's a Republican-controlled House. There's a Republican-controlled Senate. President Trump uh, is a Republican candidate in the White House. And uh, this is going to happen, and there's nothing that they can do now. I, I wouldn't, now, now, I wouldn't at least say in the that. normal realm of possibilities. So now we have to think: what could they do, or what would cause a delay, maybe in the in the selection of the Supreme Court justice? And how would that? I mean, what would that look like? That's what I'm thinking about today. What could be such a huge uh, or a big enough event? Okay, to delay this. That's where we have to start thinking outside of the box. And, and yeah, well, that that goes hand in hand, I believe, with the the larger issue of civil unrest, civil riots, and civil war. I think what people really need to look at is the the, the how well the structure of our government right now. You've got, of course, the different branches of government, but one of the of course, the legislative branch, the Congress, a majority of, or I shouldn't say majority, but a a big part of that has been infiltrated by by two by really two components. You've got the Democratic Socialists of America, and you've got the Islamic component. 
Now, you only have two Muslims in Congress at, at this at today. Uh, Keith Ellison and um, Andre Carson. But you've got the larger sect, a group, Democratic Socialists of America, which is which the, is behind the Congressional Progressive Caucus. And I spoke about this in my, in my morning show. The um, Congressional Progressive Caucus should be renamed, I believe, the Congressional Communist Caucus, because yeah. that's really what they are. But you're seeing this widen. For example, yesterday we saw a victory uh, uh, in the in the primaries, in the governorship of Maryland, Ben Jealous, and that's his name, uh, winning, and he's of course an avowed uh, uh, pro- progressive or actually more appropriately socialist. And then you've got this young girl, uh, Cortez, I believe it's, it is her name, up in New York, winning a um, congressional the, the primary for a congressional seat. Yeah, I saw that. You know, I uh, I didn't pay much attention to it except, you know, the the what it says on Drudge, you know, media gushing over right. this community organizer coming out of nowhere to be a 10-term, was it state congressman? But there, uh, even Pelosi was asked about this today. <laughs> and it's like a, every little, uh, this is a great example of, of how the, the left and the less mindset in media works. They're taking this one person's victory and they're trying to hype it up as it's some, uh, you know, super mo- momentumous populist movement that's about to uh, you know, right, uh, bring in, usher in this blue wave that they've been expecting. But they just can't seem to, they just don't seem to have the energy. They don't seem to have the, I mean, you might have a candidate like this in, in one area or another area, but that, these well, are the exceptions, not the rules in the Democratic Party. If so. they can't, look, it, it's by any means necessary. I think the rules have been tossed out the window. The Solonsky playbook is, is an operation, uh, contrary to what many, or contrary to what some people believe. And if that's the case, so what rules do we have? What rules are, are they operating by? And the answer is none. So expect the unexpected to answer your question. What can they do? Well, look, look, look what happened back in the, um, late sixties, mid to late sixties and, and even into the early seventies as the, in, in protest with the, against the Vietnam War and other, other things. Look at the violence. Just think back to Bill Ayers. Bill Ayers is still around. Oh yeah. Okay, Bernadine Dorn, and, and we and, talked and about that yesterday. Obama, Obama, yeah, yeah. They said expect the uh, the the nineteen yeah. seventy styles uh, bombings, right? From so, the other underground. So I, I, when you've got a situation, you've got Sarah Sanders, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, getting um, Secret Service yep. protection, and she should that. Well, but stop. Uh, hang on a second. Why? Well, I mean, it, why in this atmosphere she should? But it's not because of you know being asked to leave from a, a restaurant. There have got to be some pretty credible threats for the Secret Service to be assigned to a press secretary, which is unprecedented. Also, it's being reported that many of uh, Trump's cabinet members and, and aides and whatnot are having concealed carry permits issued to them. Absolutely, and they are now carrying weapons. So, so okay, so. You combine this with the with the um, uh, the actions by the deep state in attempting to uh, unseat Donald Trump either through the Twenty Fifth Amendment or through the Special Counsel, the, op- the actions of the Special Counsel. I mean, they ra- look they rigged the election for Hillary Clinton, didn't win there. They rigged the Special Counsel. They've got fifteen of 
15 or so uh, investigative investigators and attorneys, uh, and, and they're not finding anything there. So what options do they have left? That they're feeling the heat. They're, they're, the, the midterms are coming up. They're looking at 2020. They're seeing the Supreme Court being lost for generations. They have no perhaps no ideas, no no yep. ideology except the destruction of yep. America as it has been. They have uh, nothing on the horizon, nothing to look forward to, no leader of the party, uh, nobody to put their, their faith and their hope into. And it's like the, uh, uh, I heard another one pundit say today, if if uh, Trump gets this pick and another pick, that you could see the collapse of the Democratic Party. Uh, and it could just go away, especially if this energizes, again, it's gonna the go silent full, majority. Full, full communists. They're full socialists. They're, per- they're, they're going to label themselves progressives, but, you oh, know, right, the, the, right. it's, it's going to go full. See, in the midterm elections, with, with, with all the momentum that <clears throat> President Trump has been able to gain through one success after another, the latest being this uh, Supreme Court nomination that he's going to fill, do you see that energizing a Republican base to go out there and to vote to make sure that he's able to continue to do things uh, the way that he has been versus what we know will happen if the left gets in any kind of power, which is they're going to move for impeachment, even though they're not really yelling about it right now. That's their ultimate goal is to win enough seats in the midterm elections to, to get to the ability to impeach the president. The reason is is irrelevant. But do you think this would this will... Energized? Do you think the Republican base will be energized? The same kind of energy they had in the 2016 election to go out and vote in the 2018 midterm election. Hmm, that's a good question. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I hope so. I, I would hope so too. But I, I also think that that's going to uh, remember. Just remember this, including the the never Trumpers. I'm going to put put them in there as well, which is why I remember, or which is why I did this. Just remember this: these people will. They have vowed never to allow this to happen again. Allow what? They allow the will of the people to prevail in a non, uh, you know, just, just this outsider to become president. Yep. So they, they've got to do everything they can to stop, put a stop to it. Go ahead. All right. When we come back, we're going to be taking your calls. Eric, I don't know if you got the it's number. 30 minutes all. Is it 844-769-2944? That's 844-769-2944. We're opening up the phone lines now. And just like yesterday, uh, your thoughts on the uh, Kennedy uh, pick, your thoughts on anything from Strauch, and anything relevant to the political tensions, as quick as possible, we're going to get as many calls in, just like yesterday, so stay tuned. We're we're we've got the most intelligent audience in the world. That's right. Stay tuned. edition of the Hagman Report. We're going to be taking calls during this segment for the 26 minutes or so that we have, and the number is 844-769-2944. I just have to adjust my screen here, and then I will uh, start taking calls, and we're going to like start trying with... try to get through as many as possible. Yeah, so uh, if you can, we'll keep it, each call to two minutes max, if possible. How's we're going that? to start right. with Kevin in New Hampshire. Kevin, you're live on the Hagman Report. Uh, there's my man. Hey, Joe. Hey, Doug. How you guys doing tonight? Good. Doing good. 
Good, good. Uh, first off, Doug, you're a saint to put up with all my emails, so I just want to thank you for that. And uh, I'd like to give a, a little shout-out to our friend Matt from last night up in New Hampshire. It was a great call that he put in. Absolutely. So what I want to talk about tonight is the fact that... Um, Kevin, I don't mean to interrupt. Yes. Did you, you sent uh, today just the, the a coming Civil War email? Yes, from uh, okay. Jeff Kuhner from the Kuhner Report yep. in Boston. Yeah, he's, 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 Kevin's, uh, by the way, Kevin's my guy. He keeps me... He keeps me informed. Uh, <laughs> well, and, you know, uh, I'm only returning the favor, Doug, so well, you keep us very, very informed out here, so I appreciate it. And thank you for mentioning that, Joe, because I was wondering if you guys got it. Uh, that report went out today from uh, the Corner Man, and I just wanted to see, uh, you know, I just wanted to send it out to you guys uh, so you could get that information, so thanks for mentioning that. Um, but what I wanted to talk about tonight was the fact that we need to be aware that um, the left has been arming up, you know, for the last year. I'm not talking all of them, but I am talking about the radicals. And I have seen it for myself. And I know Alex Jones mentions this quite often about some of the gun ranges that he goes to, some of the uh, the owners that he talks with that kind of warn him about the fact that a lot of their business that's been coming in over the last year has been from the left. And coming in, arming up, training up. And the reason I mention this is because, you know, a lot of us want to take for granted that, most of these guys are, you know, basement dwellers, and they couldn't, you know, shoot their way out of a paper bag. And for the most part, that is true. Um, you know, and just like you guys, I'm proficiently trained in firearms, and just like our, our friend Keith Hansen and, and whatnot. But um, I have seen it for myself, and I want to remind everybody that, you know, even an idiot with a gun can do a lot of damage. And, you know, I've been to I have a few friends up here that own firearm stores, and, you know, I'll, I go to them. I've seen leftists come in purchasing, you know, 9 millimeters ammos. I've seen them at the gun shows occasionally. And so I just want to put that out there because I don't want to see us get caught flat-footed and always kind of be aware of that fact. The worst thing that you can do is underestimate your enemy, you know. So I just kind of wanted to, you know, put, put, put that out there, you know. Um, you know, they, 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 they have been arming up. And like I said, it's probably more the more you know, radical fashions, and I'm sure there are leftists that are worried about a civil war and so on and so forth, and they just want to protect themselves like us, you know, and, you know, when we kind of first started hearing of it, we thought, well, great, you know, maybe these guys are starting to see the light, you know, they're starting to see the the benefits of our right of a Second Amendment, Um, but the more radical factions of that are just something, you know, you, you want to be aware of, always kind of, you know, that situational awareness, you know, always remember that, you know, whether you're armed or you're not armed, an aggressor has the um, advantage of knowing what he's about to do. You're constantly on the defense in that respect. Yeah. So you have to react Just to something that somebody police. else has already planned. You know what I mean? That's right. Whether you're at the grocery store or, you know, wherever that may be. So, I guess that's, that's the only point I really wanted to put out there tonight. And again, to, you know, just thank you well, guys thank for putting you. up with all my emails. I really do appreciate yeah. it. It's, it's good stuff. We, we read all emails and, and yours included. And thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, and, you make a good point, man. You really do. And, and I definitely do want to encourage people to not only donate if they can't do the Patreon, you can donate to the Hagman Report through PayPal. Uh, it's very important. And, just like Matt in New Hampshire said last night, um, not only Joe's show, because Joe's daily show is awesome and I try to catch out as much as I can, but Doug's morning show, uh, the Doug Hagman show, is an incredible breakdown. This is not just a talk radio show. It's, it really is like an intel briefing. And I thought it was kind of funny last night when Matt said it was 
kind of like sitting down and having a cup of coffee with you, Doug, because I know you know that I've made that comparison as well. It's, it's very much right. like going and meeting up at the diner and sitting down and saying, okay, Doug, what do you got for me? Fill me in. <laughs> so I, I just want to encourage everybody out there, if you're not taking advantage of that show, you are really, really missing out. Doug packs two hours worth of information into one, and there's no other show like it out there. And uh, trust me, I listen to the best, and you're in my top five. In fact, you're in the top of the top five. So I just wow. want to thank you for that. Thank you, my brother. And you, and you, you exactly, stay safe yeah. out so, there. All right. You guys have God a good night, and I look forward to hearing the rest of the callers. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks Kevin. Man. You too. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. And uh, just to, to mention, John just passed me a note and said, for a great YouTube channel on gun training, there's a channel, Active Self-Protection. So check out that YouTube channel, Active Self-Protection, for some excellent gun control inform- or gun training information, gun control information. All right. Next caller, Lawrence in Kentucky. You're live on the Hagman Report. Uh, gentlemen, can you hear me? Yep. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Um, it's good to talk to you again. Last time I spoke to you was, uh, was on Patreon. But um, Oh, yes. Uh, okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, I was listening to Mike Amsterdam on InfoWars. He was talking about... He was saying that he believes that at this time right now, Donald Trump is not really going after people so much because he wants to get the the uh, November elections over with. And he believes he's going to go after people really hard then. He's going to take off the gloves and put on the brass knuckles. Which kind of made me feel good because I'm fairly patient, but I'm getting impatient. The things are going a little slow for my taste, but I understand that things have to go a certain way and you know and and not to alienate people before the election and to really get your case together if you're going to do something to these uh traders so when you say you're you're you're, uh frustrated with the the pace of things you're talking about the expectations of you know uh, draining the swamp the you know deep state being exposed and and removed Correct? Yes, and okay. and I, I you know and I, I understand to a certain extent you know and I'm I'm, I'm fairly patient you know I'm an older guy now <laughs> I'm more patient than I used to be and I understand a little better I think you know yeah but, it, you know I, I look um, I, I we can't I can't second guess Donald Trump but uh, um, yeah I, th- I think we're all, I think we are all getting a little bit frustrated about the slow motion of the wheels of justice on the other hand these are pretty complex cases the, the swamp has had you know a century on donald trump before he got in office so yeah. he's done a lot in over 500 days just over 500 days he's done a lot it, it, it's it's miraculous yeah. i mean it's, it's it's amazing he did anything you get anything done with all these people going against him yeah in the media and hollywood and everything else yeah. I mean, he's got everybody gets the you know except <laughs> it's, it's it's wild, but um, just one more thing. You know, your caller yesterday, I was listening yesterday. Uh, a lady from Georgia. Oh yeah. She apparently she apparently worked for. Um, as we used to say, I, I'm guessing it's Homeland Security or FEMA or something. I wonder. I I, I know she said they were training for, and I know that Donald Trump doesn't have control of every part of the government yet or you know hopefully he will at some point but i wonder who these who these camps are really for in the event something bad happens 
Um, and I say that because I don't know. I, I, I've always had a good feeling about this because, you know, as opposed to when Obama was running things, because I, I, I think if, if they had as much power as they thought they did, he wouldn't have got in office in the first place. And, and they were, you know, Hillary Clinton's team were, were caught, you know, trying to steal elections, you know, through Homeland Security and all that type of stuff. And they didn't get it. I think that's why they was, well, they were so disappointed because they knew they had it in the back. And I, I, you know, even though mm. I, I, that lady sounds very credible, I'm not really worried about that. I, I think that, yeah. um, yeah, I don't think I mean, it's really. I, it, it could be for us, but I don't. I I, I have a tendency not to think of this. I I I tend to agree with you more than not. In other words, I look at this as something that uh, you know. Yeah, I don't get excited. Me. But it could go excited. either way. <laughs> yeah, it could. Way. You know, the one thing that about this that concerns me is just the uh, the story on the WalMarts where. Uh, you know, you had a number of these Walmarts closing down for sus- suspicious reasons and reports that they were being turned into DHS detention type facilities and, and that, uh, you know, was swept under the rug. Anybody who talked about it was called a conspiracy theorist. And then, oh, yeah, you know, here that. we are a few years later and those same Walmarts are now immigration detention centers and processing centers. And it's like, uh, you know, nobody remembers <laughs> the outcry, original outcry. About but was that moments. serendipitous or was that planned? It, 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 I had to know. say it's planned. It, it had to be. Especially with the information that came out back then about why they were closing and the activities and personnel that was seen coming and going from. But, Lawrence, we do Thank appreciate you, the call. We appreciate you being a, a Patreon points. member. And uh, we we got to move on. He's a but, smart guy, by the way. But God bless you. And, and thanks All right, for thanks the call. a lot. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. All right. Lawrence is a, is a very intelligent man. Speaking with him off air, he's a very, very astute guy. So We have Dave in New York. Dave, you're live on the Hagman Report. Uh, hello, uh, gentlemen. I'm wondering if uh, all you guys know and all your different uh, input, and I wonder if uh, you think that this would be uh, a time of unrest in America where Muslims, like they do in the Middle East, blow themselves up in buses and in public places. Do you think that'll ever happen? Do you ever have any input on that, let's say from Syria or Muslim countries in the Middle East or Iran? Anything like that, gentlemen? Interesting interesting question, if I can spend a minute on this, because this is one thing we don't talk enough about. And and we we still do have... um, Intelligence assets monitoring Arab lang- Arabic language websites, and we we still we, so yes, the short answer is yes. There is a lot of um, a lot of information. How can I put this? There's a lot of planning going on. I guess now whether that planning turns into action, and when you're looking at schools, of course, schools out right now. You're looking at transportation, the, the usual, the usual spots. But they want to exploit the differences right now. So you're 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 right on the money. So to, okay. yes, yes. Well, thank you, thank you very much. No worries. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for the call. We're gonna move on. And, and that was a that was a good point. And I don't think we stressed that enough, Joe. Yeah. Please understand the Islamic threat in this country. Uh, Robert Spencer, we've had him on. Uh, uh, you know, look, it's it's there. So please keep that in mind and yeah, don't exploit and, all all of the problems. And Randall Terry, and then you have you know the yes, Randall Terry. Uh, talk about the the people who aren't terrorists, but the the Muslim populations that support those type of activities is pretty significantly high. Uh, you know, compared to Muslim populations that don't support. 
terrorism. So it's a, it's an important reminder to, to know that those are still there. Let's go to Brenda in Georgia next. Brenda, you're live. Hey, it is such a delight to be able to talk to the two of you. I feel so honored. And I have to tell you, Doug, I, I, uh, I, I did post something to one of your programs a couple of weeks ago to let you know that those of us that are further back in the lines, we look at y'all, you're up at the front of the line. You know, you're, 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 you're the front line people working, um, in this fight that we have within the country. And, uh, and I did tell you, uh, that I post a lot of what y'all do onto my Facebook wall so that I can pass, pass it on back. You know, some of us watchmen are on back further in the lines. And I just want to tell you, it's the, it, it means a lot to be able to talk with y'all. What I want to say is that, you know, when we're looking at this, there's so much talking here lately about the, um, you know, the possibility of civil war. I would like to just very quickly, a quick synopsis of going back, you know, here we are, um, 2018. However, way back in the very end of the 1800s, John Dewey, who was an avowed socialist communist, and he is still today called the father of modern education throughout our teachers' colleges here in this country. And I, back several years ago, I did a lot of research on him. I read a lot of of his work that he wrote, and he continually berated the educational system of the United States, and he said the the educational system of the United States creates independent thinkers who will never accept the socialist communist model. Therefore, we have to change the educational system. And he wrote that a lot, a lot. And the um, found the um, Rockefeller Foundation, they actually provided the money for his first new teacher's college that opened somewhere up in the Northeast in 1905. And very quickly, within just five years, they expanded and expanded and they expanded to teach these new ways. And I know I had a close friend that was in teacher's college last decade, 10 years ago, and they were being taught how to teach in the collect in the classroom the collectivist idea, the collectivist mentality, the collectivist, you know, we all have just a little part and um you know, there might be five of us on the team to to study this particular subject, but I get a little part and every other person on the five te- member team gets a little part and we all come together and contribute our little part as a whole. And it when I look at like the the elections yesterday and we've got these young socialists <laughs> that are winning their primaries and it's very disconcerting to me. However, I fully understand what's going on because the plan has been going back over a hundred years ago to divide and conquer. I encourage people to also do some really good research on the whole history of the Communist Party USA and how they got started back in the early part of the 20th century and who was funding them, a.k.a. the Kremlin, and what their original intent was 
and then by the late 60s, what their changed intent was to take over the Democrat Party. So I, I did, I did my it, morning program on that this morning. The other thing that I want to point out is that way back then, 100 years ago, they were using, out in public, they were using the term progressives. And I wish I could remember the name of the man who, I read his biography, and he grew up in that. And he talked about how when they were in their private groups, because his parents were part of that, they called themselves communists. But when they were out in the public, they called themselves progressives. And since the beginning of this 21st century, when we have seen the full takeover of the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party is not the Democrat Party that um, existed 50, 60 years ago. And when we hear the word progressive, and I tell people all the time, you need to understand progressive, that term is the code term for communist. Because yep. they don't want to use the term communist because we all have, at least all of us that are older, have that immediate, oh, no, 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 you're not coming here. I mean, I remember as a child when Nikita Khrushchev, you know, so hatefully up at the UN told our government that, quote, we will crush you from within. Absolutely. And that is the goal. Yep. That is the goal. And that is why we see where we're at today, because they've been working this plan for decades, going all the way back to the twenty early part of the 20th century. Two, two th- three things, actually. I did my morning show on, on the uh, uh, Communist, Party, or Communist Party USA, Democratic Socialists of America, and the Congressional Caucus. I, uh, so, and John Dewey that you mentioned, boy, I'll tell you what. Um, people need to know that this much, much, uh, belly who, uh, man behind edu- education, his first six books were translated into Russian within three years after their publication in the United States because that's, they were, they were, they, they outlined the perfect, uh, platform for what the Russians were, what they were trying to do in the, in the Soviet Union. And, uh, so very good points on that. And the Communist Party USA, a very influential, uh, group here today and the very thing you mentioned, and this is why I say we, we've got the smartest, most intelligent, intelligent audience. The election of this, of the socialists, really communists, or not the election, but the winning in the primaries that you pointed out. Very important and a product of all of this, uh, uh, what Diana West calls the, uh, infiltration. Uh, it's been going yep. on. So thank you. Thank Brenda, you. Brenda, thank you. Man, you <clears throat> hit it out of the park. Thank that you so much for the call. call. That was the best one. we got to move on. But uh, God bless you, and thanks for the information. Renee in Texas, you're up next. You're live on the Hagman Report. Hi. I think your previous caller may have been referring to Teachers College at Columbia University. Yes. Uh, in regards to John Dewey. Dewey, yes. Okay, yes, well, absolutely. Uh, I'm a... Uh, biomedical research scientist uh, with an emphasis in pharmacology and uh, the link between uh, paradoxical rage reactions and SSRIs uh, was known before these were put on the market um, you know I think we should call for Prozac control not gun control that's just my opinion 
Uh, I also would think it would be a fruitful area of research for an investigator to look at how many of the victims of these mass shootings, since they are all young people, end up becoming organ donors. Interesting point. You have to check their drivers. I'm, I'm, uh, boy, that's not even fun to joke about. But uh, interesting point. Organ donors. Uh huh. Well, okay. You know, I, but, but, I am very serious about that. Okay, thinking this through, though. Um. Well, okay. Hmm. Good point. Well, I, I'll just leave it at that. Good point, because we we can go in a number of different different rabbit trails on, on that one. Hmm. Well, very interesting, Renee. I want to thank you for your call. We, great, we great got job. to move on. We only wow. got <clears throat> like three or four minutes left, and we got just as many callers. We got oh. Wayne in Texas. You're up next. Wayne, welcome to the show. Oh, wow. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Good, Wayne. What's up, What's up man? What I called about was uh, a book I read here some years ago, and there was a line in there that said, uh, one day right would become wrong and wrong would become right. And the author said that uh, that would be the day that you knew, know that Armageddon is upon the world. Mm-hmm. How do you feel yeah. about something like that? I've thought about it many times, you know, because there's so many you know. things we're seeing stood on their head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Progressive is, I, I look at them as regressive. I mean, well, even today or recently here when they talked about the bombings of the 70s, I'm 68 years old. I was born in January of 50. And I never, ever imagined that I'd see our country where it's headed. Thank God Donald Trump got got elected. I mean, I got down on my knees the night before the election and prayed to God. And, and I'm not a super religious man. I do believe in God. But uh, I, anyway, know, I just, I'm not going to take I, a bunch of your time, and I love your show. And, and I am a Patreon member, too. You know, I thank you. I see you almost every day that I can. You know, th- thank you so much for for supporting us. Um, by the way, did you, did you have to serve in Nam? I'm just I no, curious. I didn't. No, they okay. wouldn't take me. I had uh, bone fusions done in my feet, and they uh-huh. I couldn't even get in the army. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, no worries. I, just you know, sixty. But I'm a patriot old. to my country. Oh, absolutely. I, I no doubt in my mind about that. But but for you to say. And again, I, I'm taking the the the, the pre, you know the the temperature of the population out there, and you're, you're seeing the same things we're we're seeing, right? And you're coming to the same conclusions. Never seen anything like this before. Oh, absolutely! Like, okay. You guys are great. You're right on the money on uh, everything that I hear you talk about. I like the level-headedness of your program, and and John and Eric. Thank God for them, and God bless all you folks there that are running that operation. Your your wife, your daughters, you know, and, and everything like that. I just hope it doesn't come to what I fear it may come to. You know, yeah. you don't well, even have to finish that. Uh, we, we don't either. That's the way it looks like it's heading. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how long is it going to take, uh, you know, before we see that tribulation uh, come upon us. So a uh, very excellent yeah. point, Wayne, and God bless you. Thanks Thank for you, being a thanks. supporter, and thanks for, for calling in. We do appreciate it. Up next, Regina in Virginia. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for taking my call. <laughs> One thing I want to point out is God's divine providence in all of this. He's on the throne. He is directing everything how it's going to be. And we will win. Yes. And that's my faith. Amen. You know, we don't say that enough, do we? God's got this. 
Oh, yeah. He does. Yes. And a lot of people lose focus on that. But if we put the armor of God on and believe in him and Jesus, how can we fail? No matter what happens. You're seeing the victories with Trump now. Right. And honestly, it's divine providence. He's given us a reprieve to repent and be faithful. Mm -hmm. Because he set up this country. We have been a beacon of freedom and light in the world. No matter our shortcomings, and there are a lot of them, but that's just the way I look at it. And I bless God and Jesus for that. Amen. Regina, we got to run. Thank you so much for the call, and, and God bless and you. Thank you, you. For, thank you for saying that, and thank you for being a thank you for supporting us in prayer, and thank you for keeping God first in this. Thank you. Next, we got Mike in PA. Mike, you're live on the Hagman Report. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for taking my call. I just have a quick observation. I don't know how many people have noticed. But when Donald Trump, President Trump, pardon me, gets off of Air Force One, there's always like senior master sergeants and chief master sergeants standing at the bottom of that staircase to salute him. And they're sending a message. I mean, normally men of that uh, caliber don't do that. They send out the tech sergeants and the master sergeants. But these, the Air Force is sending a signal, sir, we believe you are worthy to lead us. And I just had that observation, and I thought I'd draw it out. God bless I you. Did. I never noticed that. I never noticed that. Yeah, Thank me you. either. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and and see. I, I, I'm not familiar with the protocols of what's usually supposed to happen, but um, I'll take your word for it. And, and uh, I just want to say one other thing real fast. Are you there? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. You know that old saying that if the Palestinians laid down their weapons, there would be peace in Israel. But if the Israelis laid down their weapons, there would be a bloodbath. Well, the same thing applies with the Democrats and the Republicans. And the Republicans better have just deal with that and accept it and do their job. Because every olive branch that they extend to the Democrats, the Democrats are going to take them and whip it with whip them with it. And that's about all I got. That's a great analogy, sir. Yes, it is. And it's it's very true. And, and uh, that's the attitude and mindset that we are up against. And, Mike, thank you so much for the call. God bless you. Have a great night. we got one more caller, Jim from L.A. Welcome to the Hagman Report. Hey, guys. How are you? That's Louisiana for short, not Boston. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Listen, um, I've been listening to you guys for years, and... Uh, I, if I had to pick one of your best guests, it'd be hard, but I would have to say, uh, the, uh, David Langford. I, I get upset when he's not on on Wednesday nights, and I listen to him on his blog talk, uh, radio feed, and, uh, if there's another guy that I really appreciate you guys bringing on, it's, uh, Peter Barry Chakwa. He is, uh, he's got a very good insight. Um, I like the, his terminology and, uh, I just have one quick question. What do you guys do when you have a brother 
that is fixated on CNN and can't stand to look at our president, Donald J. Trump. What do you do? Pray. I, I've not seen somebody come back from from that hatred yet. Well, p- p- pray and uh, <laughs> cut the cord. Yeah, no, you know what? It, it's it's so frustrating, isn't it? Be, because you just you, you just stated the, the very the very issue. This is brother against brother almost. I mean, the ideology splitting families apart, and it's becoming more real. And yep, it's mass uh, indoctrination and propaganda, yeah. lies, and and it's a spirit. It's a spirit of division and hatred that we're contending with. So I would say the answer is 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 a spiritual in nature. Pray. Take like Steve Quayle says, take it to the Lord in prayer, and that's what I've been doing. Well, and, uh, when when, when I when I catch got... Joe watching uh, CNN, I hit him where it doesn't show. I'm allowed to him as far. Well, you know, when Peter Barry Chakwa says that he watches CNN to get their perspective, I understand that. But he's not watching it to right. um, yeah. to let them control the narrative. You know what I mean? Right. Yep, you got it. And uh, another thing, too, um, I worked for uh, the uh, military-industrial complex a couple of years back. And that caller, uh, that uh, guest that you had on a couple of months back, that spoke for three hours nonstop about the de- uh, the uh, military industrial complex. What was his name? Kevin Ship. Yeah, I think that's who it was. Um, well, my it, son is uh, twenty six. I'm fifty four, and my son is awake. And I got him to watch that whole program, and he just shook his head the whole time that he uh, saw. That guy was incredible. He did not take one. I don't even think he he took a breath. Okay, you it, know, it could, uh, with I'm his not... uh, description of how they're stealing the money, how they're buying off the politicians, what they're be, involved in. It could have been Cody Snodgrass. Uh, the, yeah, it could have either been Cody Snodgrass or um, uh, Kevin Ship. Kevin Ship is a former CIA officer. Cody. Yeah, Snodgrass. I think it was Ship because he had a okay. black background. I remember okay, I watched I the that. program a couple right. of times. And uh, there's also yeah. a very good documentary also on YouTube that's called uh, JFK to 9-11, A Rich Man's Trick. Have you guys oh, seen yeah. it? Yeah, oh, Ted yes. Brewer has sure. promoted that on our show for a long time now. Well, you know, when they show the planes hitting the towers, the planes just literally disappear, okay? No wings come off, no engines fall off, you know. They just disappear, and what was it, in 1972, the Air Force came out with a patent that said they could project aircraft from distance, and there was a aircraft, uh, a U.S. Air Force jet in the background some miles back, because they oh. have uh, all these pilots saying that there's no way in hell that you can uh, maneuver a plane of that size at that altitude, especially right. with somebody that just took a couple training classes. Right. And uh, in that, in that uh, documentary, um the uh, rich man's trick. It shows how the Bush family uh, had the uh, the towers, the 77th and 78th floor, uh, wired with uh, nanothermite, right. and uh, you know the thing was still smoldering. You know, weeks later, um, I just I got to tell you, brother. I, I don't know. Look, I got to tell you this because we're short on time. I don't know what the hell happened yeah. there. I, I but I'll tell you what, it wasn't whatever happened. Is not what they said. Certainly, what happened was not what they said happened. I Did agree. not happen. You know, yeah. I, look, I, I don't know. I mean, they've got stuff that we've got no clue. Yep. You know, but 
Well, listen, guys. You're right. I appreciate you letting me get on, and uh, I listen to you guys and watch you uh, nightly. Um, Thanks, man. Don't even watch TV. Haven't watched TV in 10 years. Stay away from the tube, and uh, just let your ears do the uh, listening. And you guys thank do you, a bro. great job. Jim, thank you so much. All Thanks right, for man. the call. You have a great night. we got to run. We're over on our, our guest, J.B. Wells. We, so. just, we just blew through the network break. But, see, I just yeah, want to say did. this. I want to thank all of the callers and thank those Thank you for um, the, the people who tried to call and, and we didn't get through. We're going to be doing this more often, but this just shows, in my view, the quality of listeners. It restores my hope. And we were talking about this real quick. We are talking about this today in the office, Eric, uh, the entire staff. And, and I said, you know, this is cathartic for me because it makes me believe that we have a chance because of the people are awake, the people are listening, the people are intelligent, and to me, they're the best. Our, our listeners are the best out there. So, um, anyway, I think I think we're doing some uh, some negotiating here. Because yeah, we're uh, we have um, a friend of the show and and uh, host of Caravan to Midnight, John B. Wells, coming on, and he's coming on. Uh, we're using something different than what we usually yeah. do, which is Skype video. But what we're going to be able to do is uh, he's going to be live video from his studio. So we're going to take and a break? Is I don't what, know. Is that what you're getting at? No, we're okay, not we're taking not. a break. But John, B. Right. Okay. John B. Wells is heard on radio stations and television stations throughout the United States, Europe, Asia, South Africa, Australia. I mean, you guys know who he is. He's uh, you know the former fill-in host of Coast to Coast AM and now the host of Caravan to Midnight. It's a great and, show. Yeah, it is a great show, and uh, he's probably most famous for his voice that uh, many of you have, have come to love. And uh, he's going to come on to talk about a number of things, from from propaganda and fake news to a conference that he has coming up um, in November, which is called Operation Classified, November 9th through 11th in Dallas, Texas. And they've got some great speakers there. Mike Adams is going to be there, Stuart Rhodes, L.A. Marzulli. Uh, Jim and Joanne Moriarty, they were guests on our show. If you remember, they were the, the couple who were in Libya at the time that everything broke down, uh, and they had to escape show. out of there. Yeah. And, and as well as, uh, some other people, and we'll have John tell you more about that, but, uh, John really is, he's a, a, a radio legend, if you will. And he has really, uh, what, since we, we met him in person in Dallas, and, uh, he's a heck of a he, nice guy. He went from, you know, the, the coast to coast, as I said, to his own platform, which, which, uh, has been really successful and, uh, has gained a, a good following and is really a, a foundational part of the alternative media. So it's, uh, he, he, it's he's been a while guy, since we've had him on. As a matter of fact, you know what, Joe, I've got some photographs and, and I'll have to put it, put them up on the website of, I think you and I and, and John in, in, in the conference room at, at a recent, uh, conference and, and just to hear him talk off air, intelligent beyond belief. No, I mean he knows a lot. He knows a lot of people. Um, but there's one thing I want to say: with all of the discord out there, um, you know, it's important that we support each other, and we fully support Caravan to Midnight. I, I often come out and say that we we we, we support Infowars. We support uh, numerous citizen journalists, Tracy Beans, Laura Loomer. Uh, we stand in solidarity with the, those people who are attempting to get the truth out there. Um, and, and most assuredly, Caravan to Midnight is perhaps one of the most uh, 
Uh, I mean, it's on my to-do list or to-watch list all of the time. Now, it's a sub- there's a subscription side to it, but support them. Support John John B. Wells. Support Caravan to Midnight. Uh, by the way, Operation Classified, which you mentioned to me, I'm excited about that. Um, November 9th through the 11th of 2018, the people there and knowing what John B. Wells does and will do, boy, sign up for that. I mean, you know, register for that. Register now for that to be in the same venue as J.B. Wells and the people that he's put together. But but the bottom line is this. We've got a lot of respect for, for Caravan to Midnight as a platform, as an informational portal, and the information that J.B. Wells brings to all of us. We owe him a debt of gratitude for what he does. We again, But we, we have to, in these times of discord, we have to support one another. And I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, we support Caravan to Midnight. In, in all respects, we support J.B. Wells. We support getting the truth out there, and that's what this man does. So, Joe, I don't know if he's... Yeah, let's, yeah he's ready to go. Oh, John, okay. it's great to have you back on the Hagman Report. Hey, how are <laughs> you? Good to good. be back with you. It's good, it's good to have you. Um, thanks for coming on, man. You, you've got so much going on. I'll tell you we do, but uh, but look, I, I love the look of your show. You, you guys look great, and... Uh, and I'll tell you, nobody nobody has anything nobody has anything negative to say about the hack. And uh, so, good to be on your program. Well, thanks for a lot of people out there. But I mean, you're you're pretty high up there on the credibility scale, I would say. Well, he, it's a team effort, you know, and and, and as you are too, um, John. I uh, we speak with a lot of the same people, and uh, you know, it's it's good to be out there replacing usurping, I suppose, the fake news and replacing them as, I mean, people can go to your, to you and to us and get the real information. You know, it's, it's, it's so, it's an honor to do what we do. That's why I look at it. And certainly an honor to, to have you uh, doing what you do. So where would you like to start tonight? Because I've got a pile of papers here about stuff that John Robertson, our producer, has given me, but where do you want to start at? Well, I'll tell you, right out of the chute, I would like to just reference a program um, on which, and we wanted to get this out there as quickly as possible. So this thing, and I'll just, look, here's the thing. If we we screw something up, we just say so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we try to keep that to, to zero, but, you know, it occasionally happens. I mean, the odds compel that something's going to happen. Sure. I think even, what the bleep is this? God, God <laughs> got into one of the shows, and the editor missed it. So that aside, uh, we were actually writing this and tweaking it up. As it was live, people were seeing the corrections because the important part was we're not waiting even until tomorrow. We're doing this now. And um, my wife, Brendy, the uh, the activist, formerly known as Brendy Richards, now Brendy Wells, as you know. Congratulations. And, uh, thanks. It's, uh, it was really quite something. That, that whole thing, that's a story in itself. <laughs> I mean, actually, that'd be one of those one of those uh, those romance novels. It's actually worth reading. You know, it's not just a mind candy. Anyway, be a little but anyway, here's the deal. Um, the Broadcast Board of Governors, if you're on this, I urge you, because we produce when your show is on, you know, so if I see your show, I have to see it later. Right. Um, rather than when it's happening. But um, the Broadcast Board of Governors, we came to the conclusion, this is the head of the serpent. This is the emanation point from which all of this fake news comes, all of it. 
a broadcast board of governors. Oh, the Democrats, there wasn't much made of this because I think those reporting outlets, otherwise known as MSM, they don't want a lot of people to know about this. So there was just a little report on a spaz out by the, the left-wingers over Trump's trying to oust John Lansing, the CEO, the CEO of the broadcast board of governors. This is a surprise, in my opinion. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't researched it further today, but it's a three-year term. They weren't trying to oust Lansing at all. His term was up. They can't get their dates straight. One of them said September. Another reference mentioned November. Now, what does the broadcast board of governors do? They do everything. They determine. They are the ones who determine what gets out over the air. And then there's the International Broadcast Bureau, and they provide technical assistance and um, administrative support and uh, content and grant money. Six hundred and something million dollars. It's all in this letter that's posted on Caravan to Midnight. And then there's a petition there that says, uh, this little modification that Obama made to this, which is part of the NDAA, needs to be removed. Uh, Bill Clinton may have been sitting in the Oval Office when the 1994 Broadcasting Act came into existence. But this change is not necessary. Effectively, it's like this. Inside the country and outside the country, this Board of Governors is tasked with controlling incoming propaganda, countering that propaganda, and creating propaganda that very well may be broadcast back at us because it will help shape policy. This is extraordinarily dangerous. I don't mean to just go on and on here. But no. We talked about this yesterday, John. We had a... Not about the the uh, board, but we talked about the propaganda law that went back into effect. I think yeah, it was under NDAA 2013, and a caller we had uh, brought that up and asked the question, how much of what we're seeing in the media today is because of that law that was changed? But this is, uh, I mean, we see the effect that it's having on people. One of the last callers before we brought you on asked, uh, I have a brother who watches CNN and, and can't even stand to look at President Trump, and I can't get to him in any meaningful way. What what can I do? Well, and I don't know, and that's the direct result yeah. of, of what what you're talking about. But, man, this, okay, so but you're, you're, you're telling folks, we have, on this on this platform, on the Hagman Report, we have not addressed this. This, to me, is shame on us. And thank you, John, for, for addressing this. Continue, please, because the Broadcasting Board of Governors, this private NGO that, that makes the decisions, just learning about it now. Holy crud. <laughs> Continue. Look, here's the deal, fellas. This code is not that hard to crack, but it but it is a monstrous code. Now, I don't want to give the impression that... Uh, the Brendy and I are just so into each other that we just pull each other into each other's jackpots. Quite to the contrary. We keep each other from being pulled into any potential jackpots. But she's a brilliant analyst. I don't consider myself to be an unintelligent man, but my IQ score compared to hers, I look like a moron, and it's true. <laughs> the numbers say so. But, but, look, but look at this. Let me throw some stuff against the wall, because it's all going to stick. On December 26th, the day after Christmas... Obama, President Barack Obama, signs the NDAA into law. 
as part of that, he makes an amendment to the 1994 Broadcasting Act. Set that aside for a second. Now we have the Broadcast Board of Governors, and each of them can serve three-year terms. Now the Secretary of State is a given. The Secretary of State is going to be on the board. Okay? They don't have to be. They're, they're, they're already in. Right. They're part of the administration. The administration can have up to four members of his own party, or in other words, it's no problem if you've got four members of your own party and your Secretary of State. Every decision that you make is going to be enacted. Why? Because the Broadcast Board of Governors, which is described as an independent federal agency, talk about an oxymoron, contradiction in terms, uh, a conundrum, a self-canceling phrase consisting of two words. It's controlled by the Oval Office. The President controls the Broadcast Board of Governors. So you got your NDAA. Citizens can be arrested, held without charges. Undisclosable location, no lawyer, no phone call, no nothing for as long as they want. You don't have to be guilty. You have only to be accused. Okay? Set that aside. Now we have the Broadcast Board of Governors. They will see to it that as directed by the President, all of the media outlets will toe the same line. This is why when you watch mainstream, and pretty much excludes Fox, although I'm watching them too, on account of Roger Ailes would not do, uh, or allow a reporter to do, a story on vaccine damage, because he said he'd lose half his advertisers. That's why we're member-supported, by the way, because we don't put up with that kind of stuff. We may lose some of our members because I say something they don't like, but it won't be because of a story that we did. It'll be a comment that I made that offended somebody deeply, but they'll get over it. Now, so you got your NDAA. You got your broadcast board of governors controlled by the president. They were sure Hillary Clinton was going to make it. Justice Antonin Scalia dies under somewhat mysterious circumstances at a location. Why he was at this location is a bit of a mystery also. Uh, some decorated Vietnam veteran guy, rich guy, hardcore Democrat contributor. And Antonin Scalia goes there and wakes up dead in the morning with a pillow over his head. What does that mean up here? Like his head missed the pillow, so it's above his actual head, or does it mean on his forehead, or does it mean over his face? So he's gone. Hillary's a sure thing. Why? Because we got Brennan with Brennan CIA, and we got Comey's FBI, and we got Holder, and then Lynch. We got this sorted. Scalia's gone. When Hillary gets it gets in, we're going to stack that Supreme Court with people who think like that. That old that old gal. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who thinks the age of consent should be around 12 years old. There's all, there are all kinds of quotes about her views on sexuality and children all over the net. And they, it can be confirmed that that was her position. It's not my opinion. It's, 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 it's out there. Even if it were all false, which it clearly is not, they got some work to do. And why hasn't it been done already? Why haven't they scrubbed those pages? Because they want to leave it out there because they want other people to get this idea. Well, when you have CIA, FBI, the media, the Supreme Court, and Congress, I guess you can pretty much do whatever you want, and they have. That Obama administration, look, he's half black and half white. So if somebody says I'm racist, it's like, okay, I hate the white half. Okay, does that make you feel better? This guy was poisoned. His whole administration was poisoned. 
One false flag after another. One apology tour after another. One failure after another. His stupid attempt to socialize medicine in this country. And if we had it, we would wind up with the same situation that was just experienced in the UK where the little boy, the Pope himself, I mean, I don't, Frankie's not my kind of guy at all. But the Pope did say, I'll send my private helicopter over to get the boy and fly him over here so we can get medical treatment. Oh no, says the National Health Services, the crown jewel of the whole socialist establishment over there. No, they decided just to let the child die. That's socialism. That's social, uh, social medicine, socialized medicine. And that's where we were headed. I do believe that the Lord himself intervened. I prayed pretty hard off off and on, you know, in emergencies and so forth over the years. But I was praying that night. It was like, Lord, Lord, Father, please, I beg you. I hate to use the word please. It makes it sound like I'm saying please me, but, but let's leave that out. Father, I pray you will deliver us from this criminal, this unprosecutable person who, if she is not a criminal, she has every earmark of a criminal and a track record which would suggest that she is a criminal, going all the way back to her days at the Rose Law Firm in Arkansas and going back to her being buddy buddies with Stahl Alinsky up in Chicago there. Please deliver us from this. And he did. And it was such an upset. If you look at Strzok and Page and you look at Comey and you look at all of these people, who are now caught with their uh, with their uh, pectoral muscles in the ringer. They are in a panic, and they should be. And look what's happening with the left. The next thing they're going to resort to is violence, because that's what the left always resorts to. These people are communists. Uh, Obama is sneaking off to his uh, his uh, vacation back in Kenya. Everybody in Kenya knows he was born there. Are you a birther? No. I'm a, a, I'm a, a Missouri-born Texan. I'm not a birther. I am somebody who can look at evidence and go, why is the description of the race of the child African-American when that expression or term was not even used until about a decade after he was supposedly born? Amen. I mean, what is this? And the mysterious death of Loretta Fuddy, a water landing, Cessna caravan, because its Pratt & Whitney turbo engine just had a catastrophic failure. Bingo. Those engines don't have catastrophic failures. And Hugo Fugan deconstructed that whole crash like you could not believe. You probably know this already. Yeah, he was on our program. Hugo, Hugo uh, yeah, amazing Perfect. stuff. Perfect. Well, then you know. He tore that story of theirs up. Propeller blades. This is the engine. Oh, wait a minute. This is the engine over here. And the propeller blades are bent differently and all this nonsense. And the swimmer delivery vehicle and, you know, Frogmen in the water from the Navy, uh, uh, submarines out there. They got flight restrictions between 24 and 27,000 feet uh, by an island where reputedly a lot of really strange stuff happens. Um, Sabud, by the way, one word, Sabud, S U B U D. She was a member of that club, wasn't she? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Barack's a member of that, that club, right? Well, his mother, um, or grandmother. Yeah, pretty much. If you look at, uh, um, I can't pronounce his last name, but the founder of Sabud and Barack Hussein Obama put put the picture side by side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they just about had us, and I mean, they can the, the outside world, the ones who are just really too cynical about the wrong things. I think it's I think it's good to be cynical, but be careful what you're cynical about. Hmm. 
if they think that we're just a bunch of ragtag extremists who can't get a job anywhere else, believe me, I, I'm pretty sure I could have gotten a job on a syndicated radio network somewhere. All I had to do is just not talk about the stuff I talk about. But as time has gone by, I get emails every day saying, I thought you were absolutely off your rocker, and it turned out that everything you were saying on Coast was true. No wonder they got rid of you. And 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 it was the best thing that ever happened. Two best things that ever happened were Coast to Coast's concerns, being hired there, and then being fired from there. Because now we can talk about stuff. I was and talking about global it, companies. And that circles right back to the like Broadcasting that. Board of Governors, by the way, J- just to throw that out there, because... Because you're independence and, and you you know it's 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 an amazing thing how this all connects. Go ahead, sir. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you interrupt because if you don't, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> well, that's what people are today. People want to hear you. So, well, but 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 it, it is so clear, at least to me, that they had the entire apparatus sewn up. And if Hillary Clinton had gotten in, this country would look so much different than it does today. I mean, like visibly. Different. Yeah. And all this unchecked immigration, all this guilt about the children. Have you noticed that the leftists don't care about children unless it serves them politically like this does now? Uh, the only other time they've ever cared about it is making sure that Planned Parenthood didn't get its funding cut. Oh, they love children, especially on spirit night. You know, the, these people are freaks. And look at this uh, this uh, this uh, attorney general for the state of New York, Schneiderman. Look at all of these people. Look at Bill Clinton going down to Fantasy Island or whatever, Epstein's Island. Look at the people that Epstein is friends with. Look at all the pervs in the Democrat Party. Now, look, I'm not letting the Republicans off, but I say the Bushes are over with. And that was a really, really long run, all the way from November 22, 1963, all the way up to the presidency. And he got bored, George H.W. did, with his with his uh, with his presidency, so he decided to shoot himself in both feet, where the public is concerned. Declare, read my lips, no new taxes. And what was it, Doug? Two weeks later, he raises taxes, ensuring he would not win that election, and he didn't. Then he got his son. And then it was Clinton, and then it was his son George, and all the nonsense that went under on under that administration. We've been in the Middle East now continuously for fifteen years. And there was the part about Wesley Clark at the Pentagon going into a colleague's office and uh, and seeing the list of, uh, what is it, seven countries in five years or five five countries in seven years, whatever it was. And every one of them's on the list that's in flames now. The only one standing is, uh, I want to say... Uh, Iran and North Korea, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, Trump's going to start a war. Well, he didn't. I mean, all of their lies are falling apart. All of this stuff is falling it's been a really long timeline, but I'm thinking that once George H. W. Bush checks out, then maybe Mr. Trump will release the rest of the Kennedy documents, the rest of the Warren Commission and the investigation papers and so forth, because if it's a matter of national security, that just means one thing in my cynical mind, and that is somebody of importance is still alive or these papers would be released, but it would not serve this country to have a living, formerly sitting president revealed as somebody who was involved. Well, how would that look even if uh, uh, George Sr., when George Sr. passes away and we'll say his son's still alive, do um, you think there's information that would point to their involvement in this that's being held back? 
Well, I do. I don't know how significant it is, but when a man says he can't remember where he was on November 22nd, 63, and there's ample documentation in communications between Bush and uh, Hoover and uh, and various operatives, he was here, he was in Dallas, he was in Houston, he was going to go back to the Sheridan in Dallas and leave the same day and, and all of that. He's going to get out of town on the 22nd, and he did. And then there was a the whole thing about Ted Cruz's father. Yes. And, you know, after you've been in this game for a while, you find out things that the general public just doesn't know. For example, David Ferry, the mafia pilot, Clay <laughs> Shaw down there in New Orleans, and Judith Baker and Mary Sherman, Lee Oswald, they all lived in the same neighborhood. They all they all were CIA. I mean, clearly, Lee Harvey Oswald was, was ONI. It's right down the street there from where he was handing out fair play for Cuba leaflets. So this has been going on a long time. Yep. My father was never the same, never the same. After November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, and this is uh, this is a father who got his first grade son. First word that he wanted me to spell by sounding out in first grade was Constitution. Mm. Why the? Why did he give me a copy of the Declaration of Independence to hang on the wall when I was in the first grade? Why? Why would he tell me when I was in the fourth grade, John? When a man is elected president, he has a meeting with a group of men. When that meeting is over, that president is never the same. Why would he say that in April of 63? might have been March, but I think it was April 63. The same month that Lee Oswald supposedly, supposedly took a shot at General Edwin A. Walker down on Turtle Creek. Oh, yeah. I was neighbors with Ed Walker for some years when he lived on a street called Swannanoa in Bluffview. That's that's a heck of a neighbor street, Swannanoa, but, but he was there. And uh, I thought that he was going to expose something like uh, the reason Kennedy was killed. And the only thing that he told me was he was a lame duck. He was not going to be reelected. They had an agenda to push forward. It didn't make sense to me then, but it makes sense to me now because Johnson got in. Johnson took over. What, six months after John Kennedy was in the ground, we were in Vietnam and stayed there for 11 years. So yep. it, it's at the end, it, the, the timeline. It, it, we're coming to the end of that that whole timeline. And so now was the hour to make the big communist push. Remember, communism is an ideal, a dream. I think Karl Marx said it'd take another 500 years of human development before communism would actually work. But you can still apply the principles to socialism, which is why the Russians and the Germans were allies for a while. But Joe Stalin and Adolf Hitler both realized immediately that the other guy was a maniac, and so Hitler turned on him, but it was because they were of the same ideology. It was still a socialist ideology. Yes, sir. And now they're calling us Nazis. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't argue with an idiot, man. You, you can't <clears throat> not argue with people. There are people out there who are so completely consumed by their desire for something that they believe in to be true, that they're going to force it. And they look like idiots when they're explaining And I remember when uh, Harrison Ford and Ted Turner teamed up to buy all this land from South America to a high part of North America so that the caribou would have a nice place to, to migrate to. And Harrison Ford had this look on his face like, I know, <laughs> this sounds crazy, but if you contradict me, going to explode. I mean, he looked like he, w he was on the verge of losing it. And we have all met someone like this that is so consumed by their ideology 
that they're liable to flip out on you and maybe even attack you. I've seen it many times. It's where we are today, right? Uh, it's what we have today. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Man. And just one more thing about this immigration. Does anybody have any idea how completely oppressive the Mexican government and the Mexican culture is? How misogynistic it is toward women? <laughs> if you get a bunch of these people in here, it's part of the commie plan, too. Oh, bring in the children. Why? Because we'll get about 50, 60, 70 years of loyalty from them. We will raise them in the so-called progressive, otherwise known as retarded doctrine. They'll be true believers, and we'll have a solid voter base from here on out. we got a problem with Mexico. This is Obrador. He's the heir apparent to the Mexican presidency. He thinks that anybody who wants to come to the United States should be permitted to do so. Doesn't yep. matter how or where from. He's a Marxist, and we got a problem on our hands. I predict he will reveal to the Mexican people that their point of origin is the Middle East. There is no more racist group on earth than the Mexicans. They routinely kill the indigenous people down there. We would call them Indians. They just wipe them out. Hmm. They are prejudiced against other Spanish-speaking people who aren't from Mexico. That includes Puerto Ricans, and that includes other Mexicans who have chosen to live in the United States, legally or otherwise, who go back down to Mexico to visit. Heavy-duty discrimination against those people. They don't like them at all. So I think we'd better wake up to the problem we have south of the border and the mass of millions of, many of whom are willing participants in a revolution, in a reconquista, you know, for the raza. For the race, you notice they changed their name. Yes, not it's the same button. So there's the shotgun out the back door. Uh, pick out anything you like. We'll take it from there. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. You you, you covered a lot. I do want to touch on one thing. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, the JFK issue, uh, JFK assassination. You you said so much there, and, and you know, you and I, we've. We've interviewed um, a, a lot of the same people, a lot of different people, but everyone who, or many who have, who who was there at, at the assassination or studied it. Uh, um, I mean, we had Clint Hill on. Uh, we we had uh, Abe Bolden, the first black Secret Service on the presidential protective detail picked by Kennedy. Um, I say that. Just, just to say this, and, and Judith Very Baker, by the way, I found her, I found her book and her testimony to be very compelling. Um, the reason I said all of that was, the one thing you said was, George H. W. Bush, once he assumes a room temperature, um, we could have, we could see the documentation come out showing his complicity. Um, Breaks up. I'm guessing. I don't know, Doug, but, you know. That's, Despite, that's okay, would this be screw George W. Bush? I mean, so what? That, that guy's just a, you know, he's just a loony. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's George H.W. pulling the strings, and once he's gone, we, we know we're okay. In spite of the, the in spite of Jeb and George still being around, it would be okay to, to release the documents is what you're thinking, perhaps? Yes, I do, because... Okay. Uh, First of all, George W. Bush didn't have anything to do with it. Secondly, he's out of power, man. Mm -hmm. Jeb's over with. He's never going to make a, any point. kind of call. George W. is out of politics. 
and his father guided him every step of the way. He alluded to that uh, in as much as as uh, what was revealed in an interview where someone asked him, "Do you go to your father and, and ask him for advice?" And or maybe it was uh, maybe I've got this wrong. It might have been George H. W. Bush being asked if right. his seeks counsel with him. I don't remember, but in any case, I mean, if you just listen closely, the answer was yes. And you know he was going to advise him on policy and everything else and put him wise to uh, just some things going on that, that he must have learned about. I mean, they're not. They're family. It's a father and son deal. They fancied themselves a dynasty. Right. They were a dynasty. Maybe in some ways they still are a dynasty, but as far as political power is concerned, they're done. They've made their money. They've made their mark for better or worse, and they're over with. So the short answer to your question okay. is, I think they're I think they're immune from it. They may sue uh, because they don't want the name of the family besmirched, or you know they won't, maybe they don't want anybody looking too closely into certain finances uh, if a big enough can of worms is opened. But that's a little bit of a stretch, I think, even, even for me. Your name came up, uh, Mr. Wells, and I. Uh, our guest, by the way, is John B. Wells, Caravan the Midnight, folks. If you're not uh, if you're not a subscriber of Caravan the Midnight, if you're not part of the team there, you're missing out. But uh, uh, your name came up in a conversation I was having about JFK Jr. And I just want to get your take on this. And, and the reason your name came up was, I, I believe you were you. Uh, it was in reference to one of your programs, and this was months ago. When I've been wanting to ask you this question, JFK Jr. Dead plane crash. Interesting, obviously. A little bit odd. He came, he, he was the founder of the magazine George. Of all names, George, the magazine. Yep. Did he sign his death warrant at the, you know, it, it, by naming his magazine George? Was that like an inside nudge to George H.W. saying, I, look, I know, I know. And then, of course, his plans to political plans in the future, but, uh, your thoughts yeah. on JFK Jr. Well, John Kennedy Jr. was a bright guy. This was not some... Uh, I don't find him to be filled with the same hubris that many professionals and, and people who have money to buy those nice aircraft, like that one he had, which is a Piper Saratoga. Uh, I read a brilliant article by someone. I can't remember who it is. I don't have it at hand. But the, 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 the gist of it was that um, he never stopped looking for the murderer of his father. He was the one standing there, a little boy standing there saluting his daddy's casket. And he plastered the name of the mastermind right across the front of his magazine. It's incredible. That's, that's what I figured. And when he did that, like, why didn't he go into politics? Was, was, it the, was it the Kennedy curse? I mean, what got him? He was going to go into politics, and he was going to go after George H.W. Bush. It's just a guess, but I think so. All he would have had to have done to get his plane in was to just set the autopilot, call the tower, and tell him, listen, I'm in minimums. You know, I mean, there are airports. And just understand this little bit of aviation lore, and it is that, uh, for example, there's an airport. Well, it doesn't matter. Airports have minimums. You can be an instrument under instrument flight rules. You get visual flight rules. That's a clear day, you know. But if it starts getting cloudy, uh, you may have to go to IFR. IFR is different. You go to instrument flight rules. You don't look out the window anymore. You look just at your instruments and nothing else. Well, even if you're not IFR certified, you still have to spend some time 
what they call under the hood. You can see nothing except your instruments, and you practice this stuff. All he had to do was set his autopilot, and you've got an HSI there, and it shows you the the actual direction you're going. It's not like um, it's not like, for example, when you land on uh, runway one three, your plane is pointed in that direction. You're pointed southeast. Okay, so and this is an accurate. Every virtually every aircraft has one. They're, they're optional on little planes, but I mean, anybody, any pilot worth his salt is going to have an HSI in the middle of the battle. All you have to do is reach up there and turn the knob, call the tower, and say, um, "Listen, I'm in the soup. I need to get vectors to get in." Uh, yeah, Roger. Uh, you know, uh, Seven Yankee. Uh, just uh, assume 2,500 feet and hold your present position, and uh, slow to 90 knots. So you slow it down, do what you say, trim it out. It's holding itself. Go. Okay, come left 20 degrees. So you just turn the knob 20 degrees and the, and the aircraft will obey according to the autopilot. Okay, you're good. You're good. Okay, you're going to start your two-minute turn now. And all right, I'm going to count you down. Here we go. You're going to be on runway heading in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Level your wings. There you are. Okay, go ahead and set your rate of descent at 500 feet per minute, and we're going to bring you in. We're almost at minimums, but you're going to break out at about 700 feet, and you'll see the runway, and we're lit up. We're waiting for you. That's all he had to do. Instead, they're saying he got into a flat spin, you know, or what they call a death spiral. Now, here's the thing. Unless you're watching your instruments and you're in those conditions, you can't tell what attitude you're at. You, you can't. Many pilots do it the old school way. They take a piece of string with a weight on it and some tape and, and just stick it at the top of the cabin. And when you see that thing leaning, well, then you know that your plane's turning. But you should be watching the instruments. And, and John Kennedy Jr. was was a smart cat. He would know, look at the instruments. They are your friend. I think that they just made sure he wasn't going to ever run for political office. I don't know what caused it. But I don't think it was incompetence. Good, good point. Thank you for thank you for that. And like I said, in conversation, your name came up, and uh, I, I happen to agree. And and that's it was, it, it's wow. Well, an interesting uh, piggyback off this. Something I read today, just speculation uh, from a, a corner of the internet, that Trump could be teaming up with people who uh, were friends and and partners with the Kennedys looking for that ultimate revenge and the whole Trump presidency being part of that revenge. And I thought that was pretty interesting, especially with what you're, you're talking about tonight. And it's, um, you know, I don't know. He's from, he's New York. He was a, Trump was a, a liberal, a Democrat, if you will. And, uh, you know, at, at that age where he saw this all unfold, uh, you know, just like everybody else who's like you, dad, and then you, John, and it's, um, such a, a tragedy. Know, the, the Kennedy, the Kennedy family, uh, as a whole, is, it seems like such a tragedy, uh, one after the one after the other after the other. But so much was taken away from them, and I just wonder, uh, you know, if there isn't an element of truth to that about Donald Trump having something to do with that. It's very interesting, though. You know, I don't think so. Um, you know, maybe, but. Uh... Let's see, John F. Kennedy Jr. died on July 16, 1999, right? Yeah. So, that's a long run to 2016. Yeah. I don't see it. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, some of those people out there, some of those operators, you know, whether it's La Cosa Nostra, 
or you know whether it's uh, whether it's the Vatican, whether it's the Chinese, uh, whether it's uh, any of these cartels. They uh, they have very very long range plans. Most people don't plan beyond the length of your average car payment. It used to be forty eight months was the long one, now sixty months or even longer. <laughs> people don't plan beyond that. They don't. You know, some of these other outfits do. They plan ten years, twenty years, fifty years, a hundred years. Uh, the Chinese plan two hundred years, five hundred years. They, they really do. Now, I'm sure they modify things as, uh, as uh, time goes by, but I can't, I can't see whacking out a presidential possibility of the Kennedy family for an election that's going to take place 17 years later. I don't see that. All right. Fair enough. I mean, maybe, but I don't see it. Uh, well, I, I think, I think, Joe, I think maybe no, yeah, it, it no, was, was more toward. <clears throat> What was said is, uh, yeah, that, that it wasn't that this was all planned because, uh, to get revenge for the Kennedys, but that, but basically piggybacking off Trump, those, the Kennedy loyalists are, are, are going to exact their revenge against the, the Clintons and the Bushes through the, the Trump presidency. And, uh. Oh. Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that would make sense. <laughs> if that's possible, if they can get their act together. But wow. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, we have a real opportunity now. Uh, it's This really is extraordinary. This is like having everything laid out for you, and all you have to do is just step on those stepping stones. That's all you have to do. I mean, look at, look at this apparatus that was maintained by the Democrats. And I know we've got some, some idiots in the Republican Party. We do, you know, and there's no business or organization that's going to be completely free of an idiot here or there, even at the Bilderberg meetings. I'm sure there's one or two people there that the rest of them consider to be idiots. And they're not idiots because they wouldn't even be in the meeting if they were complete idiots. They're just idiots by those people's standards. Look at what these people put together. Yeah. You know, I really like to to, uh, to say this. It's that whole thing in Kill Bill 2 when, uh, when Bill was talking about Superman being the best, his favorite, because he didn't have to put on a suit like uh, Batman or Spider-Man or any of that. Yep. Those were his clothes. That red cape was the blanket that Kent's found him wrapped in. And his alter ego, Clark Kent, was the antithesis of Superman. He's, uh, he's weak. He's unsure of himself. He's a coward. But what Carradine said was, and that is Superman's commentary on all of the rest of us. Well, what we're seeing now, finally, what many of us suspected, but we now see what they were doing. We have proof of what they were doing. What happened is Clintons and Comeys and Obamas and Jarrett's and Brennan's and all these people and Clapper and all these people... What they did is their commentary on all of us. They treated us like fools, like we are fools, like we are uneducatable, uncouth, uncool, retarded, not advanced in our thinking. That's what those people thought of us. Almost like deplorables. Well, yeah. They, the, but the thing is, is not they consider their their own party supporters to be useful idiots and people that oppose them to be just deplorable people. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, they're even floating stuff out or allowing stuff to be floated out there like, if you own a dog and you're white, you're likely racist. I mean, what kind of a moron would even say such a thing? I, I, must, I, be, I must be a double, double racist on steroids. I not only have a dog, but I have a German shepherd dog, you know, a Nazi dog, and he's solid white. I must be the biggest racist on earth. I've got to go and find, where's my pointy hat and that thing, that Batman suit? Oh, it's white instead of black. Where is that thing? I mean, these people are just plain stupid. Problem is, even a fool can sometimes gain a position of influence. And who's the, who's the bigger fool Obi-Wan wanted to know? The fool or the fool that follows him? Well, they're fools, so they're equally useless. However, I think the bigger fool is the fool who follows. Because that fool who follows is so desperate to follow something that he or she can relate to that they're going to follow the bigger fool. And that is dangerous. It's very dangerous. Do you see, uh, John, in the environment we see today, do you see violence breaking out? Do you see civil war coming? Uh, whatever that term might describe, whether it's localized violence, bombings, or whatever. You see you see us. Is that the next step? Um, in some people's minds on the left, that is the next step because they're stupid enough to think that they can win. But I think probably what we'll actually see is the illusion of an impending civil war or a visible threat of it. But here's the thing. This is human nature to me. You can make people mad, and you can scare people. But if you make people mad and scare them, they will attack you. Hmm. The problem with this is that I believe that these people on the left are so deluded and sick. And i got to tell you something. You may not believe this. I don't do it much, but I do offer... A prayer for them because they are deluded they are they're not thinking straight they've been misled and we should hate what they are doing maybe but we should not hate them that said if they cross the line we have to be prepared to smack them hard enough to knock them down where they're going to be there for a while mm-hmm. we really do um, this person his name is Hamilton Nolan, he published this thing on Splinter.com, which is owned by Univision. And he's talking about how uh, the people who cause this great suffering in American government should not expect to live their lives free from pain. And by this time, uh, you know, next year, I'm paraphrasing now, uh, they should be glad that they'll just be able to go into a Mexican restaurant and get screamed at and run off rather than the things that could actually happen to them. Now, this goes, uh, dovetails nicely into moronic things that people like Jorge Ramos, who is uh, clearly just a vicious leftist and a racist. Uh, he, he's very quick to call other people racists and say what is racist. But truth be told, he's the biggest racist of them all. I think it's interesting that Univision would have this affiliate website where nonsense like this is published. And by the way, the woman who uh, owned the restaurant in Hessen's own aid was was a part owner in it, uh, has has resigned from the the Lexington, Maine little organization uh, 
she's gotten out of there. And uh, let's see what oh, and, and Yelp had to close Red Hen's page down to protect them from the bad reviews they were getting. <laughs> so it's just it's another Chick Fil A thing. But but these people are going to continue trying. Well, you don't like gay people, and you're Christians, and you're just a racist and and homophobe and everything else. So we're going to close you down. What happened? They what happened? They made Chick Fil A's entire week or entire year in about a week. People were going to Chick-fil-A to buy a sandwich that had never been in there to buy a sandwich before. So they're vocal and they're strident, but there aren't near as many of them as they would like for us to think there are. And we need to stay on them. We need to brutally and without a lot of compassion destroy the leftist movement in this country. But I, will it's totally, we don't. totally agree with you. As a matter of fact, the uh, Hamilton Nolan, the uh, writer that you mentioned, I just uh, I had read that article. Uh, uh, I, I, uh, uh, I, I believe it was. Um, it, this is just the beginning, and of course, the, the, there it is on the screen right there. Yep, that's the one. Okay, all right. I, I had read that, and I thought, just wow, and and everything you just said, uh, you know, before and after mentioning that that article, that writer, the topic is right on the money. So, there it is. Wow. Very interesting. Um, we only have, a, it's, this is unbelievable. We could sit and talk for days. I know we could. You, you know, um, we, I could. By the way, we appreciate you. <laughs> and I, I want our audience to know that we, and as I said at the beginning, we we fully support Caravan to Midnight, John B. Wells. Thank you. And we, and we share this brotherhood for truth and this alliance and it's not a competition, but it's an uplifting. A rising tide lifts all, lifts all boats, and I believe in my heart of hearts that we're, we're we're all going for the same thing, and that's to educate the public. And John does a great job, and uh, thank you for doing what you do. So I would encourage all of our listeners to become part of Caravan to Midnight. Thank you for Thanks that. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your saying that. And so right back at you. You're doing good work. You and you and Joe are doing great work. Well, I appreciate that. In, in the remaining four or five minutes we've got, again, you've got the floor. Operation Classified is coming. We'd really like to see you there. I know some people have been disappointed at some of the conferences they've gone to before. Not many, but some. And uh, you're not going to be disappointed with this. Why do you call it Operation Classified? What's so classified about it? The names of some of the speakers are classified at this point. This is what we have. We have very reasonably priced tickets. If you are observing a budget, you can even take care of your ticket monthly. Just send post-dated checks. We'll drop them in when you tell us to. And when your ticket is fully paid for, you'll receive an email with your digital ticket in there. You just present it and go in. We have a black tie gala, if you will. Proceeds to benefit General Michael Flynn's Legal Defense Fund. They ruined him. And by the way, Sally Yates, have you gotten into her yet? Sally Yates and her and her lawyer boy, Schools, S-C-H-O-O-L-S, folks, one that told Rosenstein, don't recuse yourself. The one that told Sessions, do recuse yourself. The one that said, we're going to appoint Robert Mueller. So dirty. Sally Yates, look into it. Go to a bigleaguepolitics.com and read the article on her. Here's okay. the thing. General Michael Flynn was a soldier and a solid man. You can't destroy Michael Flynn, but a terrible dent has been put in life as he knew it. His finances have been decimated by legal fees and so forth. It's cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
the speakers that we're going to have are absolutely fabulous. Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Schaefer is going to be there, and Dr. D. Uh, Demetra Antimitiaris is going to be there, and Ty Bollinger and Mike Adams are going to be there. But, I mean, but these these are people that that you know, and you know that their work is good. But there are going to be some other ones to be announced later when it's too late for anybody to do anything about it. You don't want to miss this. This is literally a once in a lifetime chance to see these people up close and in person. You're going to be able to take photos with them. You're going to be able to talk to them. We're going to have some breakout rooms. So it's not going to be death by PowerPoint. This is not going to be a boring conference, not in any way, shape, or form. Um, this is the conference that I dreamed of putting on one day. You know, back when I was a kid, like I'm talking about the college years, I thought, you know, what kind of a job could I ever have where I could live that life of having friends, real friends, all over the world, and we were friends because you have to offer your friends something. You know, there's no point in being friends with somebody if you can't offer each other something, comfort or camaraderie or something. But to be to make friends based on the quest for fairness in government and an end to warfare and and, and, and many things like this, evolving the whole the whole community of mankind. That includes women, too. That's just a catchphrase for all the humans, but that sounds too scientific. This is the conference that I wanted to do. And we've contacted these people, and everybody we've contacted said, yeah, I'm in. Let's go. I mean, I wish we could have a 100 speakers there. I wish we could do this for, you know, a week every day, but that's impossible for people to attend. So we're making it easy for you to get there. Come and help support General Michael Flynn. Sally Yates made sure he got kicked out of the White House. He did nothing. He was a stand-up man, and he still is. He deserves our support. And we can send a big message with this. The message is going to go out not only from the attendees to the conference, but also what the speakers are going to say about the attendees to their circle of friends and the other and the, the, the other functions that they attend and maybe speak at. I mean, this is the this is a little revolutionary pincer movement that's starting right down here in Dallas, Texas, which I thought was a city. Then it turns out I found out it's a market. And then I found out it's practically Illuminati Central with the whole Roe versus Wade case and the Kennedy assassination and many more things. So come to Operation Classified. This is one conference. If you don't have to go to another conference for the next five years, you do not want to miss this one. In fact, you want to not miss it. That's what you want. You want not to miss it. And it's coming up in November and it seems like it's a long way off, but it's really not. Time's going to go by. We've already burned up half of our, our year of 2018 here. Hmm. Come on down to Dallas. It's going to be at the BFW Hilton Lakes Conference Center. It's a great facility. Nice restaurants all over the place. Got the usual great deals on rooms. You're going to love it. And I want to see you there. I want to shake you by the hand. And thank you for supporting Caravan to Midnight. And thank you for supporting the Hagman. And thanks for supporting General Michael Flynn. He deserves it. Amen to that. We're going to do this thing. Let's get it on in Dallas, all right? To, to those people who, um, I just want to reaffirm something. I learned about Operation Classified from uh, a mutual listener. And the rumblings about this this conference. Um, I, I You know what? I want my wife, i got to talk to my wife about getting tickets and we want to be there. Uh, if, if not to support uh, General Flynn, but to be part of history, because I believe that conference is going to make history, and you're going to make history with that conference. 
knowing what I know, what, what little I know. You know, man, all I, all I really want to do, Doug, is, is provide. You remember the crazy professor from Back to the Future said, I finally invented something that works. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I want to provide a forum for people to say, once they've experienced it, this was of some real value. I am glad that I came. I would not have missed this for the world, for the world, if I'd known this is what I was going to get when I, when I came to this conference. This, I've wanted to do this my whole life, and it's going to happen. The 9th, 10th, and 11th of November, Operation Classified. So come on, be a part of it, everybody. You're going to love it. John, thank you so very much, man. And, uh, Thank you. We're, we're going to be we're we're going to be talking about Operation Classified. Uh, you, you have our word on that to make sure that we keep reminding people it's only 134 days away. It's not really a long time, as you said. Half the year is over. It's hard to believe. Yeah, uh, we'll get here before you know it, just like Christmas. <laughs> yeah, really. Hey, th- thank you so much for your gracious gift of time tonight, John. I really appreciate. It. We really appreciate well, thank it. You. Thank you for the time. God bless you both. God bless your audience, and, and God bless America one more time. Will you? Thank you. Amen. God bless you. All right. God bless you. Folks, that was John B. Wells, Caravan to Midnight. If you're not part of the organization or if you're not part of the subscription service, uh, Caravan to Midnight, you're missing out. What I do, uh, Joe and I do this a lot. We've got different, uh, well, we, we, we actually, sh- I mean, we listen to the same thing. We share the, the same, uh, interests and such, but, uh, we, we listen to, this is all we do. We, we listen to Caravan to Midnight. We listen to other programs all the time. And he's got some of the most amazing guests. Um, again, again, uh, Caravan to Midnight. He's a hell of a nice guy. He's a great guy. Um, having met him in person, and and when you sit down and talk with him, you notice no notes, no computer screen in front of him. Oh yeah, let's see, JFK Jr. And he rattles off what is it, uh, 1999, the day of the plane crash. The names. Very intelligent man. And I yeah. just want—I just want to say I, th- I want to thank him. Very again interesting for perspective. Everything on he's done. Yes. Sorry for no, no, no. When we uh, when we met him down in in Dallas in 2016 and uh, got the chance to spend a little time with him, you know, when you, it becomes evident that uh, the way he looks at things is different than than most people, and that's from every you know everybody has that in a certain way. But he he and his wife surprised me. Um, they just did. It surprised me in a good way. Um, again, when you're when you're in the back when you're in the green room and and, and talking, um, and I think you were there as well, Joe. Just the 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 level of care, concern, the the, the genuine the, uh, genuineness is that is that a word? Genuineness? Yeah, yeah. How genuine a person is, and when you look in his eyes. And you can see the care, and you can see the concern, and that's that's J.B. Wells, and to 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 spend that time. And I remember sitting in, in like I said, in the green room for, oh, I don't know, I we just spent an hour, so it might have been two, three hours, I don't know, just talking and talking about issues. It's just amazing. So, uh, one of our callers earlier had said that his favorite time on the Hagman Report is Wednesday, the third hour on Wednesday. The reason, of course, is Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism. Pastor David Langford is uh, 
and he's a man of God. He's our, he's my personal pastor. That's what I, I consider him my personal pastor. I consider him, we consider him the personal pastor of our studio. And I like to call him America's pastor. Those are my words. Okay, so, um, and we have to remind ourselves, and this is just me and then I'm going to shut up, what we're doing right now is we're fighting in the physical, but we also have to remember that there's such a spiritual battle going on that everything that we see in the physical will manifest in the spiritual. And the other part of this, like another caller said, like I said, we've got the, the most intelligence, uh, the intelligent audience in the world. God has got this. What we're going through, through God has got this. But it's always a pleasure. So I always look forward to Wednesdays for that extra boost of spiritual nutrition, that that spiritual B12 shot that Pastor David Langford provides. He's a he's a good friend of the program, good personal friend, and he's a man of God, like I said. And uh, in my words, uh, not just my pastor, but America's pastor. Joe, I'm going to toss it to you, Pastor Langford. It's great to have you back on the show as as always. And as my dad said, a uh, a caller said he uh, he gets angry if you're not on your Wednesday <laughs> slot here and uh, uh, goes and listens listens to you on your regular show as well. But it's great to have you. And again, just like last time we've had you on, so much has happened in the seven days since your last appearance. Where would you like to start tonight? Well, let me first of all begin by saying thank you for that gracious introduction. Uh, regretfully, not everyone has that perspective of me. Some think I'm misguided. I'm ignorant, and I'm misaligned in my theology, and I got an email this week that said, because I quote a lot of scripture, I think I know it all. Well, that's certainly not true, but I want to talk to an issue tonight that we're watching the rise of these two powers. One is godly, one is wicked. And I want to use for a scripture, Second Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 4, And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we have one little g in this verse, and we have one capital G. So what we're witnessing is a convergence of these two Gods, but one is not really a God. He is a creature that God created who left his first estate and he took on his self will to do the things he desired to do. And in the end, he's doing what he wanted to do in heaven. He's doing in the earth. He's trying to disrupt the kingdom of God. And of course, he's trying to bring a great rebellion against God in God's ultimate creation, which is mankind. And the reason mankind is God's ultimate creation is because God made man in his image and in his likeness. Not only did he do that, but he also breathed into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. Now, sometimes people will make statements that, you know, the devil also believes and trembles. That's James 2.19. 
Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. But the devil also believes and trembles. But the difference between God's creation, mankind, whom he breathed into his nostrils, there's no provision for Satan and his minions relative to redemption. You see, God made an avenue of repentance because when God breathed into the nostrils of man, man literally became uh, a part of God. God became a part of man. But in no other facet of his creation did he breathe into it. And so Satan, that's why he is so adamant, so ugly and heinous in all that he does, because he is in absolute opposition to God, and we are in the image and likeness of God. We have far more value in our lives than Satan ever would. And that's why God had to send his son, Jesus Christ, to atone for man's sins, for man could not get back to God. Satan never had a way back to God. In the beginning, neither did man. But God knew in the beginning that man would fall, so he slew Jesus Christ from the foundations of the world. He made provision. There's no provision for Satan and his minions. So Paul begins this passage here, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. When Paul declares him to be the God of this world, that's telling us something very definite. It is a limited parenthetical time. There'll come a point in time when Satan's days will be literally numbered. And we understand that from Revelation chapter 12, when Satan is cast down into the earth. And as I was reading that some time ago, it, my understanding opened up why the fury of Satan is going to be so, so, so hateful and so uh, disastrous toward mankind and such destruction is because he will ultimately be confined to the earth. He will no longer be able to go about into the heavenlies to the degree he goes now to the throne of God. He'll never have that opportunity to get back. He'll be confined to this earth, this world, which he is the God of this world. But he can't travel. He can't do anything else. And so, you know, we're witnessing the, 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 the term New Agers. Well, this is because Satan is working through this crowd to try to bring in another age, another dispensation, but it will not be. God will stop it, God will cut it off, instead of Satan bringing to fruition his plans, because he is the God of this world, God will stop that, negate that by his second coming, his second advent in the earth. Now, Satan is seeking, as never before, to control people's minds. I know, you know, Joe and Doug, as, as you watch the news like I watch the news, and I see the things that I see, I, I, I say, how in the world can these progressives, Nancy Pelosi, you know, Chuck Schumer, uh, Maxine Waters, how is it that they cannot see the error, the wrong? But they can't. And Paul tells us why. Because Satan has blinded their minds. Now, that word minds is plural, because it is the seat of our emotions. And of course, Satan is seeking to control all of our minds. The battle is constantly in your mind. You can be all alone, sitting in a valley or a dale, or a very quite placid place, but your mind is running a million miles an hour. 
the tempest, the storm, and the mind is so tempestuous, it is so furious. What is all this about? This is the the work of the prince of the power of the air. And, he, and he's working overtime. If, if, if our minds were gears, there's not enough lubrication in the world to keep the mind from running hot. After a while, when something does not get the correct amount of lubrication, it will seize up when it comes to gears. It will seize up because of the heat. This is happening in the natural in people's minds because of the power of darkness that is trying to prevail in people's minds, and their minds seize up. And then they go into utter depression, anxiety, discouragement, unfathomable fear, and they become paralyzed. Why? Because the God of this world, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. You see, there is a remedy to all of this. There is a remedy to every element of depression, fear, anxiety, discouragement, whatever the case might be. There is a remedy. The remedy is Jesus. When he stepped on the bow of the ship in the 8th chapter of Matthew, he said, Peace, be still. And the Bible says, And a calm, a great calm came upon the sea, and the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? They were amazed at the power. But see, their minds was, were greatly perplexed. They were diswrought. And they, they said, do you not care for us that we're, we're in this ship and we're going to sink? The, the, the devil is, is the great intimidator. He's as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We, too often we, we react to the devil's fiery darts when we should be seeking God and, and praying and, and responding and take authority. We, we have authority in Jesus' name. There is authority in the name of Jesus. Um, there's been many times for months I would put a Bible under my pillow, inside my pillowcase, and sleep with the Bible beneath my head every night for months. Why? Trusting God to put that shield over my head to protect my head, to protect my mind from Satan trying to get a, a stronghold in the seed of my emotions. And so... Now we're taking it another step further in this end time hour. This, this uh, artificial intelligence, you know, it, it, this is why it's WWW, World Wide Web. And see, Satan is the god of this world. And he's creating this web, but God is going to thrust him in the midst of his own web. He's going to be snared. He's going to be trapped. He thinks he's going to ultimately destroy all of mankind, but God will not suffer that to happen. God is going to intervene. I, I can't get over last week uh, when Steve and I were with you guys, and uh, we were talking there from Daniel chapter 2, verse 43, where it says, He shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. The, the clay, which represents the man, men, and then the iron. And, and, and they're going to mix the seed of men with iron, which to me is, is, is the personification of artificial intelligence. Uh, the Greek word there uh, for seed is zera. It literally means the offspring. And so Satan is the mastermind 
of all of this this going on because he is the God of this world. And 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 he and he's got a how do I say this? He already has a congregation, he already has a selected group of people. Paul tells us here in this verse, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Everyone that refuses to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, if they do not believe that, if they do not embrace that, if they do not acknowledge that, they are servants of the God of this world. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 24, he said, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, else he will hold to the one and despise the other. I was looking up the word uh, the other day there in John eight thirty four, where Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Now, if you sin, that doesn't mean you're the servant of sin. That's not what that verse means. The key word there is, whosoever committeth sins. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? What that means is that that is someone who is consumed by the will of another party. Uh, this is why we use the term, they've been seduced. They've come under the control, they've come under the dominion of another party. We oftentimes think about it in sexual relationships. He's been seduced, she's been seduced. They've been brought under this this canopy of deception, of, of duplicity. And because of that, they become consumed by the will of that other person. And of course, uh, Satan sets out willfully and blatantly to get you consumed by his will. Remember, in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. When you look at that in the Greek, it says, Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, Satan has exceedingly demanded that I give him your soul. I give him your soul. He was trying to seduce Peter and bring him under his will, under his power. And he almost succeeded. Because Jesus went on to tell Peter, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And of course, Peter said, that, that's not going to happen. I'm both ready to go to prison or to die. But you see, the truth was, this is why the warfare was so intense. But Jesus didn't stop by telling Peter, hey, Peter, he has desired to have your soul that he might see if you as sweet. He said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. You see, he was giving him also a, another prophetic word. Peter, you're going to stumble, you're going to stagger, you're going to fall, but you will fall unwillingly. You're, you're not going to fall and stay there because that's not what you want. And I know that's not what you want because I know that's not what you want. I'm going to pray for you, and I know you're going to be converted. You're going to come back. Your, your mind will be restored. And when your mind is restored and you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he said, I want you to strengthen the brethren. There are many times in my personal life 
I feel like it's my obligation. It's my responsibility to strengthen people's hands, encourage them. And, 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 and for the most part, I know I preach against sin. I preach about repentance. But if I can get you into the right state of mind, you're going to understand if God is for me, who can be against me? But it is the God of this world who is persistent and trying to control your mind to never let you see the facts like they really are. Every measure of Satan's victories are based upon deceit, deception. Everything the devil does is based on a lie. he He has skewed the truth. He has covered something up. He has concealed a matter. That's how he gets victories. But see, the light... The light, and that's what Paul said here, the light of Jesus Christ. When it shines, it exposes the things you cannot see. Look at what's happening in our nation right now. Look at the enormity of light that God is allowing to be shined, and the alphabet agencies and things of this nature. We we witnessed today as uh, Supreme Court Justice Kennedy said he's going to retire. And I was sitting there thinking about the justices. Who, what will they do? Now, God is a God of reason. And God puts things in men's hearts to fulfill his will. Just as Satan puts things in evil men's hearts to fulfill his will. There's, there's two men, Judas, Peter. Peter wanted to do the right thing, therefore he repented. The guilt, the condemnation was so powerful in Judas' life, he sold Christ for 30 pieces of silver. We see in uh, Matthew 27, 4, he came back to the temple, he hurled those 30 coins on the floor, and he said, I have condemned the innocent blood. Of course, that was blood money. That was guilty money. They could not take it, so the Bible said they bought the potter's field. So Judas went out, and he hanged himself, because the God of this world had entered into him, according to John thirteen twenty seven. When Jesus handed him that piece of bread that had been dipped in the salt, and Jesus gave it to Judas, the Bible says, then Satan entered into him. He finally gave over, see? He finally yielded holy to the devil and his plans. So I was thinking today, uh, as just, just, uh, just as a man, and looking at the justices, we have nine justices, and I thought, if I was Donald Trump, and with the, the, the animosity, the animus, that is brewing right now in this nation, what kind of a person would I put in the Supreme Court justice replacement? Who would it be? And I thought, from my perspective, what little bit I understand, what little bit I know, I thought, what about a Catholic female judge? Why? Catholic. Now, I don't embrace Catholicism by no means, but they are pro-life. And you see all of these crazy, you know, women in Congress doing so many crazy, cynical things, and Donald Trump says, I'll bring a woman in, and I'll take away some of that from our party and the Republican Party and put some semblance and some balance, some understanding here. Now, it may not turn out that way, but I'm just trying to look 
at the world through the lens of God's Word and see how things would be. So, therefore, he would aggregate collectively votes uh, in the election coming this fall. Why? Because he's pushing a female woman. He's pushing a pro-life woman. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm just trying to analyze the situation and see what would be best to deflect the heat, uh, the the animosity, the hatredness, and, and to bring about, for a better lack of words, an element of civility right now. A pro-life woman who would be a devout Catholic. She may be a very godly woman. I don't know, but seeking out some woman of that nature that would possibly fill the bill. And then, of course, that may be a total distraction to slide somebody else in, but I don't know. But I do know in the kingdom of God, there is consideration in every perspective. Jesus said, if you're going to go to war, and you don't think you can win the war, he said, you send an ambassador ahead of you, and you negotiate a peace deal so you don't have to go to war and lose what little bit you have left. So, you know, God strategizes, and, and so does Satan. But see, God is the master. He, he always knows everything and how in the end it will turn out. But he's got to get men in his alignment. And so what does God do? I think it's very uh, significant that God deals with our hearts. What does Satan deal with? He deals with our mind. Now, when I say heart, I'm not talking about the cardio. I'm also considering the heart and the mind the same thing, the seed of emotions. So God works through the spiritual heart. Satan wants to work through the carnal mind because the mind will lie to you. And I know the heart can be desperately wicked, but that's in that context of an evil mind. But someone that has a a sincere heart, God can begin to work in that heart and bring that person to a, a, a better place, a better decision, um, where it not only affects them, but can affect those around them. And, and this is what Satan is trying to do. When Satan has control of someone, just like Judas Iscariot, you witness the mayhem that he brought. Yes, Christ had to be crucified. He had to die for our sins. But look at the mayhem that Judas Iscariot, once he finally gave over to Satan, look at the mayhem he created in the earth at that point in time. So it is with men. Adolf Hitler was just another, another Judas Iscariot, per se, how Satan uh, influenced his life so, so terribly bad for evil. And then God can turn around and bless another man, who becomes a great king, a great leader that will acknowledge God, that will uh, give us back our our, our religious rights and freedoms and and, uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. These things can happen. See, God's in all the affairs. But there are those that are in God's will. There are those that are out of God's will. Then there are those who are sold out completely to Satan. And then there are those who haven't made up their minds yet. And they're kind of straddling the fence. And the Spirit of God is dealing with them on one side, and Satan and his minions are dealing with them on the other side. It's, it's, it's a battle. And this is why the old saying is true. You've got to get in, get out, or get run over. And, and right now, there is something underlying that's more than we can see, that we can discern, know, understand, unless God just clearly, plainly gives us insight. But th- th- there's such a spiritual clashing 
that, that's taking place in the heavenlies right now. There's, there's such warfare, and I'll tell you why. Because there are a lot of people that are praying. There are a lot of people that's calling out to God. There's a lot of people that have been fasting and, and, and really crying out to God, and a lot of people praying for our government, our leader. I heard the, the last part of, of John Wales there a minute ago. You know, God bless this nation one more time. There, 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 there's a, a, a movement. There's, there's a type of a revival in the midst of the church, the body of Christ that's taking place. And so how does the devil counter that? He works through ungodly people. He works through wicked people. He creates firestorms. And, and we, we can all see um, how this is ratcheting up, and it, it, it's getting very dangerous, to say the least. And, and this is why Satan is working and blinding the minds of them which believe not. Um, there's, there's, see, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8 talks about Christ's return. says he comes in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and them who obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that we're witnessing right now. They know not God, and they obey not the gospel of God. They have a chance to obey. They, they, they have the same Bible that we have. They could listen to godly preachers if they so choose, but they had rather choose a liberal-minded preacher who will preach a, a thin theology, a, a playboy grace and gospel that is terribly watered down. So that's what they'll choose. Why? Because it appeals to their lifestyle. It appeals to who they are. It appeals to their flesh. It appeals to their carnal wants and desires and their covetousness. Uh, th this is why it is so dangerous uh, to try to mingle in the world and have fellowship in the world. We're supposed to come out from the world. The Bible said we're supposed to be separate. Because if, if, we, if we do that, you cannot come out unscathed. There, there will be repercussions in some capacity in dealing with the world and the off-scouring of the world. They're, 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 and you will get hurt if you deal with a worldly person, a worldly mindset. I promise you, you're going to become hurt in some way, whether it's a, a, a business deal, an emotional relationship, um, a, a, a business partner, wh whatever it might be. You see, Satan is looking for an opportunity to seize upon, and of course, he always throws out the bait, the cotton candy. He makes it look very, very, very good. Why? He's seeking to control the mind, the thought process. The you know, our minds have the ability to negotiate, even with ourselves. Well, you're gonna you're gonna eat one piece of cake today, or gonna eat two pieces of cake today. So you, in your mind, you're negotiating these things. Well, Satan. Is, is, is knowledgeable of that that we do in our mind because he sees how we react to his fiery darts now he's had 6,000 years to witness humanity and how their tendencies and proclivities tend to be we only have a good 30-40 years Doug to have a, a, a real understanding of life uh, you, you, we've all said this. I'm sure you have, Doug. If I could just be 30 years younger, know what I know now. Oh yeah. 
you know, if I could just back up 30 years and be as smart as I am now, man, look what I could accomplish or do. Well, you know, by the time you get to be 60 years old, you're just getting your feet on the ground. You've got wisdom. You've got understanding. You've got patience. You have insight. You, you, you understand frivolity. You understand recklessness. You, you understand all of this stuff. When you're 20, you don't understand any of that stuff because you think you're impervious. And, and that's what's such a tragedy in life uh, for Satan to take advantage of young people when they don't know, they don't understand. But he seizes control. And, and they get addicted, they get into bad marriages, bad relationships, they get into trafficking, they get into all sorts of stuff. And then they co- come to a state of despair and hopelessness, and many of them, and I don't believe they, they, they overdose on purpose, but they're trying to drown the pain, the sorrow, the hurt, the grief. And, you know, from Michael Jackson to Whitney Houston to Elvis Presley to Anna Nicole Smith, I mean, the numbers are just unfathomable. These people never find what they're looking for because Jesus, at the end of the day, is the answer for everyone. And, 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 and yet, as I've said many times, God is not appealing to your flesh. He's appealing to your spirit. It is the devil that puts up the pretty billboard, the pretty poster, appealing to what your eyes can behold, what your eyes can see. And that's how he draws us in. So here we have the devil blinding the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Lest, and that simply means in the end, the light will not shine. Why? Because they spurn it. They reject it. Every, everyone listening to me tonight... There was a point in your life, and I'm a, I'm a living, walking testimony to that. The Spirit of God came to me. The Spirit of God dealt with me, but I rejected the light. Why? I wasn't ready to conform. I was, wasn't ready to quit my lifestyle. I wasn't ready to give up all the things I was doing. I was enjoying sin. I mean, that's, that's terrible to say, but it's the truth. It's the truth. And, and this is why we're told in uh, Hebrews 11 and 25, speaking of Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The Bible is clear. There is pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season. Why? If for no other reason... You grow old and you die. And the sin that you once embraced, the sin that you once enjoyed, you can't enjoy it anymore. Why? Just the fact of age. If you live long enough through your sins, the day will come you cannot enjoy the sin of promiscuity. You're too old. You know, you can still drink, you can still shoot dope, but there are things you cannot enjoy anymore in the flesh. We was watching my wife and I the other night a, a documentary on Howard Hughes. In 1976, he was worth nearly $2 billion. That's $2,000 million. His autopsy, he had broken off needles in his arms where he had been shooting himself with codeine and Valium. And he weighed 93 pounds when he died. In his fingernails, I thought about Nebuchadnezzar. 
His fingernails were like claws. His hair had not been cut in years, neither had he shaved in years. He looked like some kind of a beast, an animal. Yet in his prime, he was dating all the starlets in Hollywood. He was in all the fancy motels, all over the world in his, his jet airplanes and all of this opulence. And he died like a beggar man. Now that's, that's, that's what Satan does to those in whom he blinds their minds because that's what he wills for their life. There's no way Satan is unable to bless. All Satan is able to do is to curse. And he curses profusely, adamantly. He's ardent in, in cursing. It's vehement. It's, it's, it's spewing out the worst kind of malice and maligning of humanity. Why? Because man was created in God's image and God's likeness. And though man failed, God made provision through Jesus Christ to reconcile us back to himself. And Satan has none of those opportunities. You know, there's a false doctrine going around about ultimate reconciliation. That you know, even God will ultimately, in the end, reconcile with the devil. Well, how can that be? Who atoned for Satan's sin? Who atoned for Satan's rebellion? Nobody. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. We don't, we don't, we don't look at it deeply enough anymore. Through his vicarious, efficacious work, did you know the, the, the world, nature, is going to be redeemed? The, 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 the lion will lay down with the lamb? God's going to reconcile all this. It's hard to imagine a lion, a leopard, a panther, eating hay, eating straw. It's hard to imagine uh, 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 that ever taking place, but that's what's going to happen. The lion will lay down with the lamb and the wolf, the Bible says. They're going to they're gonna lay together. See, God's plan of redemption is for everything he created, but not for uh, Satan and his minions, because there's no provision there. There's only provision for, for God's people whom he, he breathed into their nostrils. Those are the ones he has made a way for reconciliation. The rest of them, there's no opportunity. Thirdly, this glorious gospel of Christ, that is the light. In that old song, I saw the light. You know, the light is Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that, that is why it's so important to preach Jesus Christ. Jesus said about himself in John 8, 12, he said, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. All men, whether they want to admit it or not, are in darkness until they come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then the light comes on. And this is the very thing that Satan is working overtime to not allow to happen. Therefore, Paul said, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, that light illuminates, that light shows us we're wrong. That light not only points out our wrong, but the light also shows us there's a way of redemption. There's a way for forgiveness. You know, some people, there's some listening tonight. You think you've done something so terrible that God cannot forgive you. The only unpardonable sin is the sin of blasphemy. And and, and, and I'll be honest, I, I don't understand that, but I, I know what the Scripture says. 
that there's there's not going to be anyone going to be forgiven of the sin of blasphemy. But you can say anything. Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew twelve thirty one, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, nor in the world to come. So if you wanted to curse God, that's what Job's wife said, why don't you curse God and die? Jesus said, there's forgiveness for that. You, you may have done that sometime in the past. You may have gotten so bitter, so angry, so mad, because your life is so in disarray that you've cursed at God. And you've, you've cursed the day you were born. You, you've just been angry with God. God says, I'll still forgive you. Now that's, that's unfathomable love, but he said, I'll still forgive you. But he said, if you speak a word against the Holy Ghost, it'll not be forgiven you in this life, neither in this world nor the world to come. You see, that's what the Pharisees did. See, they blasphemed the Holy Ghost. They, they accused Jesus of casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And for thus Jesus said, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? So they contributed the very works that Jesus Christ was doing to the devil. And this is why it's so dangerous to, if you don't understand the Spirit of God, uh, the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you don't understand the gifts of the Spirit, those things, then I would just encourage you, just don't say anything. Now, you, you want to curse God to his face? Go ahead. You want to curse him out? Go ahead. He says in his word, I'll still forgive you for that. But if you cross the line when you speak against the Holy Spirit of God. You, you, that's, that is something that he says. I'm not saying this. This is something that he says is, 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 is unpardonable. I, I cannot forgive you of that. And we need to thank God. Some of us, I know I'm guilty of a lot of stuff in times past. You know, I, I was one of those children of disobedience which deserved the utter wrath of God in my life, but God was merciful. But I always had that fear in the back of my head. But let me say this as well tonight. You can have a wholesome, godly, reverential fear of God. But don't ever underestimate the devil's ability to push you further than you wanted to be pushed. You say, well, that, that'll never happen to me. I, I'm, I'm too uh, controlled. I, I, I can manage my temper. I can manage this. I can manage that. Don't ever believe that for a minute. You never trust in yourself. David said in Psalms 118, verse 8, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. That speaks of self-confidence because we are men or we are women. And people can become so self-confident in themselves, they believe they can walk around the edge, around the boundary lines, and still be in control. That's not true. Because when you least expect it, that's what happened to Peter. He least expected it, but once, twice, and then thrice, he denied Jesus Christ. He was so upset the third time, he's cursing and he's swearing. 
and I don't know the words he used, but I can just imagine what he was saying. And then all of a sudden, the rooster crowed, and he remembered the words of the Lord. He remembered the words of the Lord. That's why the Bible said he went out and he wept bitterly, because he knew the devil had pushed him so close to the brink. But remember, Jesus foretold him, Peter, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. His faith was on the precipice of utter and total collapse. But see, that's why we rejoice in the mercy of God. Uh, Ephesians 2, 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, wherein with his great love he hath loved us. It's the mercy of God that we're even saved. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he hath saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the power of God, the Spirit of God. The, the Holy Spirit is what regenerates and keeps us renewed and keeps us in the, the proper, the right perspective. So, so don't ever think uh, you're so cool, you're so suave, you're so uh, debonair, whatever you want to deem it, term it. Don't ever think you can't be pushed beyond your parameters because Satan will push against the boundaries that God has set. God set a boundary around Samson. He said, you, 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 you cannot divulge where your strength is, Samson. It lies in your hair. You, you can never divulge that. But Delilah, she kept on, she kept on, she kept on, and she broke him down. Listen, our flesh, and, and I can say this because I am held captive to my flesh just like anyone listening. Your flesh is, 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 is full of chaos. Your flesh is full of disorder. Uh, your, 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 your flesh is debased. You may not want to believe that. You may not want to think that. But your flesh is your enemy. And your flesh will trick you, deceive you, manipulate you, coerce you. You know, every, everyone thinks they're always in control. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go this far, but I'll quit. You know, uh, I'll lose X amount of dollars at the gambling casino, and I'll quit. You know, I'll take so many drinks of liquor, and I'll quit. You see, that's pride, and that's trusting in your, your confidence is not in anything but yourself. And that is a, a dangerous state, a dangerous place to come to. I do not trust David Langford. I can't say it any more plainly than how I'm saying it right now. You know, that's why Paul, in, a, in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he said, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. A castaway. You know what a castaway is? A castaway is a reprobate. A reprobate. And it was, I don't know, a couple years ago when I was reading and studying Romans 1, 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The word reprobate and the word castaway are the same identical words in the Greek. So what was Paul telling us? He's telling us, I don't trust in my flesh. I don't trust in myself. He said, I keep under my body 
and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself, Paul the Apostle, I become a reprobate. The the Greek word is adokimos, A-D-O-K-I-M-O-S, adokimos. So when I when I looked at reprobate and I looked at castaway, I thought, my God, a castaway is something that's been rejected. A reprobate is something that God has already rejected. And Paul had the godly fear, the godly reverence, saying, I've got to keep Paul in subjection. I've got to uh, keep my body disciplined, lest when I have preached to others thus and thus and thus, I myself should become a reprobate or a castaway, and God reject me in the end. See? So... This is, this is why this is so important, because the God of this world is blinding the minds of them which believe not. I, I look at our nation right now, and we are utterly divided. I just shared with you from Matthew 12, 1226, 12, how that if the kingdom is divided, it cannot stand. Now, God has brought Donald Trump in. Uh, Proverbs 14, 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. And, and I said this, I don't know if you guys remember this, uh, two years ago this fall, that in the event Donald Trump won, you would see rebellion and lawlessness explode. Why? Because I said they're not going to relinquish this ungodly, wicked, vile power that they have obtained. Matthew twenty four twelve says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And the word iniquity there means lawlessness. And because we had become such a lawless nation, and now Donald Trump is trying to implement a measure of law and governance and, and doing it in a right way, Look at the craziness. Look at the madness. Look at the insanity. Even the the, the, the candidate running for the Mexi- Mexican presidency says, hey, I want everybody to go to America. They, that's a right. I'm like, these people are insane. These people are mad. And so we're, we're getting to a, 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 a boiling point. You know, uh, 212 is boiling. I, 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 I can't remember anymore. Is 212 boiling? Fahrenheit? Yes. Yeah, 212 is boiling. Okay, you know, we're like at 211. We're not boiling, but we're just one more degree, and we're going to boil. We're going to roil over, and it's not going to be ugly. And Satan is behind this adversity because he doesn't want the light of the gospel of Christ to shine into the minds of these people that don't believe. And so... Uh, Satan is working through what Paul deemed the children of disobedience in Ephesians 2 and 2. The children of disobedience. Now that, that, that's a very key statement. The reason being, Paul did not say disobedient children. Ephesians 2 and 2, where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Children of disobedience, not disobedient children. As a Christian, we can be disobedient. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying disobedient or children of disobedience. Children of Satan. Children of Satan. 
a Christian can be in disobedience. I mean, there's, there's never been a Christian that, that I would dare say has not disobeyed God in some capacity. I mean, I just shared with, with you about Peter. He, he disobeyed God. He, the Lord told him, he said, you're going to deny me. Peter said, I'm not going to deny you. There was a time when Paul the Apostle was trying to go one way, and the Spirit had to restrain him and gave him a vision. He said, you need to go to Macedonia. There's a man down there who needs help. Now, there's different types of disobedience. But as I said, as, as a child of God, we have the ability to disobey. But we are not children of disobedience. We're just disobedient to children. My children have disobeyed me. That's a, that's, that's a difference. Paul is telling us these children are of Satan. They're his spawn. They're, they're, they're his offspring. Jesus told the Pharisees in John eight forty four. he said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and a not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. So every lie that you hear on television, in the media, you know who's behind it. Satan. Satan is behind the lies. And these people will live like this. They will continue to lie unless the light of Jesus Christ shines into their heart. And, and I, I like what John said uh, about praying uh, for our enemies. It's hard to pray for them. When you look at these lying, hypocritical, two-faced people, it, it is hard to say, God, save them. But that's what we're supposed to do. It's not easy, but that's what we're to do. Hopefully, somehow, can you imagine if somebody... Uh, if it, of any uh, prominence in the Democratic Party would see the light except Jesus Christ say, you know what, we're wrong? Well, we know what the rest of them would do. They'd pile on and disassociate themselves with him. Why? Because of the truth. There are those who adamantly hate the truth. I, I read something today, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. He said, you know how you make a conservative mad? You lie to him. You know how you make a liberal mad? You tell him the truth. And that's, and that's that's the truth. You know, I don't want to be lied to, but you tell liberals the truth. You tell them that's a baby in that womb. At six weeks old, they'll lie to you and say, that's just a blob of, of, of tissue. It's not. It's life. God has put life already in that conception. But they will tell you no. And this is why I'm looking, if God does not intervene, for there to be a, a great divide in our nation come this fall. This is a very dangerous time with uh, 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 Mitchell, uh, the, the, the uh, majority of the Senate, uh, says we're going to get this uh, Supreme Court justice elected. And with the election coming up with senators and congressmen, there's just no telling how volatile uh, things are going to become here in the very near future. And uh, so we, we need to be prayerful. And we need to be praying and, and, and keep keep our, 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 our nation and keep our president covered under the blood of Christ. Because I'm telling you, don't think Satan is not trying to ignite uh, some kind of civil unrest in this nation. It, it, it's a reality, and it's, it, it very well could happen. Yes, it could, and it's, uh, you know, almost front and center. We're, we're just waiting for the, the shots to be fired. Every Everything else is, is there. The attitudes, the sentiments, the hatred, the, the rhetoric. And, uh, you know, it's just increasing day by day, but never, thankfully... Never have I seen it like this before in my lifetime. We are seeing some, some calls to, you know, civility. Uh, you had Chuck Schumer come out and, and uh, 
say what Maxine Waters says was was irresponsible and un-American, and Nancy Pelosi also. I think that you know the what we're seeing with the left and how unhinged they are. It's making the actual people who are not progressive lefts but just sent more center lefts, uh, you know, move away from that. And you see the right at the same time with the defensive posture. They don't want a civil war, but at the same time they understand that the, the hatred these people have for them, they might have to defend themselves. But uh, you know, if we can uh, kind of settle this down a little bit and bring it back to a level where you can at least have a debate, which seems almost impossible at this point, that's what we have to try to do. And Pastor Langford, you said it best, it's hard to pray for these people hmm. being the hypocrites, well, the, the proponents of baby murder and, and everything else that's uh, perverted and immoral, but we're commanded to do so. And it goes to help our own faith as well. And we have to find ways that, that we can do that. It's not going to be easy. Uh, some some uh, funny person emailed me this week. They're they're must trying to be a comedian. Uh, said, "Have I not asked myself why I'm not persecuted?" Um, and of course, he blamed it on my position with uh, with the Jewish nation of Israel. But I'm not a crybaby. I don't whine and cry and get on the air about my persecutions, my letters, my emails, the the hate, the malice the vomit, the spew that comes out of people. Now, I don't, I don't waste my time talking about that, but I, I, I let the guy know, I said, you're a persecutor. See, because he thinks my perception and understanding of Israel is so wrong. But I'll ask anyone listening tonight, Romans 11 and 26, all Israel shall be saved. Romans 11, 32 he hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. So those of you who disagree with me, and that's perfectly fine, I'd like for you to exegete those two verses, Romans 11 and 26 and Romans 11, 32, and, uh, and explain those to me. Because verse 26 goes on to say, And shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob or Israel. And I've often said, when you see the word Israel, don't look at it as a nation. Look at it as a man, because that's who he was, Jacob, before God changed his name. So that's the covenant one-on-one. Yes, those were the offspring, but you have to understand, that's why he goes back here in Romans 11, and he doesn't call him Israel Then that verse. He calls him Jacob, the verse before he calls them Israel. Blindness and part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So these are the, see, this is part of this war that's going on. And it's like with the wheat and the tares. It, you know, I, I don't know who is, is, is righteous and who's not. I, I can see outward. I can discern when the Spirit allows me to discern. But to say, you're going to hell and this one's going to heaven, I, I can't do that. That, 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 that. I don't have that authority. I can look at the fruit, and if, you, if you're an adulterer, and I know you're committing adultery, I can say, you know what, unless you get right with God, you're not going to make it. But to not know someone personally and their life, and just to condemn them already to hell, you can't do that. But that's, that's, see, that's, that's the progressive Christian world we live in, because they too have made themselves judge and jury. I love people, you know, because God was so long-suffering and patient with me. I mean, you know, God should have wrote me off a long time ago and said, you're not even worth saving. But that's why the Bible said he's long-suffering. He suffers us long when, you know, in the natural, he shouldn't do that. I mean, 
God should have wrote me off. I said, you ain't worth saving. And let me got killed in a car wreck or in a bar fight or something and been eternally lost. But he didn't do that. And that's the kind of compassion we need to understand to those who don't know. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands in America who don't know the truth that are sitting in dark churches and they're just under a religious spirit thinking they're all right. But I believe there's, there's, there's also coming an awakening in the church, the real body of Christ. I'm not talking about a denomination. When I say the church, I'm talking about the literal body of our Lord Jesus. There's coming an awakening. And I want to be a part of that, and I know you guys want to be a part of that, because you are a part of it with what you're doing in the, in the media ministry. Mm. Well, so th- thank you. Sometimes, sometimes I, I, you know, I, I wonder if we're, if we're on the right course, and that's when we... So no, I hit my knees. You, you, you're on the right course. We, we all are. It's, this is called adversity. This is opposition. And regretfully, the greatest opposition, more times than not, comes from religious people. Not redeemed people, but religious people. And, and we're seeing mm-hmm. that. So, well, listen, uh, I wow. reckon we're taking the fourth off next week? Yep. Yes, sir. Okay, Thanks for reminding sure. me of that. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> wow. I didn't want to stand you up in case I was wrong. No, uh, we, we will we will uh, take that day off and everyone enjoy that uh, that day with their families and and Pastor, thank you so very much for your gracious gift of time tonight. What an amazing message tonight, as always. Thank you. Thank you, and everyone have a blessed fourth next week. Good night. All right. Good night. Bye bye, folks. That'll do it for us tonight. May God bless each and every one of you. Until tomorrow, nine o'clock, Doug Hagman Radio Show, and then uh, Joe and John. Two to three and back here at seven. Good night.